Star Wars en direct is brought to you by SimpleNet. With SimpleNet, obtain a low-cost advertising for your company or quite simply, a space to put your personal website online. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Go that way. You'll be malfunctioning within a day, you know, that scrap pile. <laughs> the following program is intended for mature audiences. Are you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerdwood? You tell that slimy piece of worm-ridden filth but get no such pleasure from us. Parental discretion is advised. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. The show informs us and entertains us, and it binds the fans together. The show is Star Wars on the Yes, the voice of Star Wars fandom. And welcome to Star Wars on Direct for this edition of October 1st, 2006. It sounds like Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest. Yeah. We're going to eat October a lot of sausage. October 2006. It's going to be fun. And uh, I'm joined, of course, by my dear co-host, the lovely... Uh, what's your name again? Oh, yeah. Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Hello to everybody. Well, I had this... I was just about to say goddess, but I figured well. people wouldn't. I reply so. to goddess, and everybody in the chat knows that I'm goddess. Apparently so. <laughs> all right, well, today we're going to be talking all about Bloodlines, the return of Boba Fett to the Star Wars universe. Like, really big return of Boba Fett to the Star Wars universe. It was a good book. It was a really good book. Very good book. Best thing since New Jedi Order, in my opinion. Ouch. <laughs> it was a very good book. You didn't like too much the introduction to the whole Legacy series by Harren Alston? No, I liked it. But now we're getting into the juicy stuff. And this novel was hot. This novel was hot? It was very good. <laughs> okay. It just had me tingling. Very excited. Are you okay? <laughs> I am. I'm just, I want Tempest now. I want to get my hands on the next one. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to us right now, it's a very good thing, because, that's right, we will be interviewing in T-minus 15 minutes, none other than Karen Travis, the wonderful author of Bloodlines, and, oh my god, the work she did, ow! <laughs> it was just, look, it, my brain still hurts! <laughs> she's incorporated the boys, she's written all the... OT characters. Mm -hmm. She's written the NJO characters. She's even. She's just like encompassed the entire thing in one book. And she even like tied up a lot of few few odd ends about Boba Fett. Wow. So what else can we say? It, it's just an awesome book. It's no, she has really gone where no author has gone before. <laughs> there you go. That's totally true. But if you'd like to ask her any questions that you think we haven't thought about just yet, you can always send them to us either by email at studio at swendirect.com or by chat. You could just come to the website, click on the chat icon, join us in the chat, go to my room one, and then you can uh, leave your que all of your questions over there. Or, uh, of course, you can go to our blog on starwars.com, 
or even to our message boards, but I'm going to tell you the truth. If you want to have answers to your questions, just uh, add the user uh, swendirect at hotmail.com to your MSN list and just uh, come and chat with me. Drop me your, your questions and don't be too mad at me if I don't ask them. We have to screen them somewhat and we have to, you know. We do have some time constraints. Yeah, there's some time constraints and there's the fact that some of these questions have to be answered in a proper manner and have to be asked in a proper manner. And there are some questions that we cannot ask, so you have to mm-hmm. respect that. Otherwise, Karen would lose her job, then we wouldn't have a complete series, and that would be really, really bad. So, okay, don't ask, like, tough questions. And we have to keep in mind that's already almost 9 o'clock at night in England where Karen is at the moment. Yes, that is correct. So that's it. I want to tell you that uh, the wonderful sound card that I have has had a little issue earlier. So uh, it should be all right. We'll be fine. Yes, yes. Nice that's, little card. Pet <laughs> Intel, it's good. And uh, I want to tell you that uh, today's show is brought to you straight audio by Sennheiser. Audrey's wearing a Sennheiser headset. And uh, it's making her voice sound lovely. In my headset, anyway. I don't know. It sounds really weird to me. <laughs> to me. It sounds really different. I think we always sound different and weird to ourselves. Yeah. Well. So, there you go. So, I'm going to start straight. I'm going to go into the uh, big announcements uh, for Star Wars Sound Direct, uh, the new regime, which is underway. Should I go, like, just... Drum roll. <laughs> just no, I just feel like going just like uh, just like in Bloodlines. The Empire's back. The Empire's back. The Empire's back. <laughs> Which is, in a way... Star Wars on Direct is back. True. So, you know, it's... SWD. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. We're, yeah, well, we're back. And, uh, you know, right now, there isn't that much happening in the Star Wars fandom. And uh, we are expecting on a day-to-day basis that they're going to so- start selling tickets to Celebration 4. And we are expecting them to start selling tickets on a day-to-day basis for Star Wars Celebration Europe and all that. But, you know, news remain like pretty, pretty small. So we have to keep that in mind. And so in order to bring you a better show, we decided to make it a bi-weekly show, just like it used to be a little while ago. And that way it's going to give us more time to bring you more official content and more really good content. And it's going to give like me more time to read books, for instance, and stuff like that. Yes, Audrey? I was just reading the chat, and Acaster wants to know if he can ask Karen to marry him. No, that's that's <laughs> an exclusive to me. Right. Yes. She, she already... No, she didn't actually answer properly. Hey, you know, <laughs> I've been here for how many months? People have been wanting to know my age. People have been asking me different things, sending me PMs, but nobody's actually asked me to marry them yet. <laughs> just throwing that out there, just because Ecaster just, you know, like totally. I am not gonna say anything about that. <laughs> All right, so ten minutes to Karen, and I. W- <laughs> Sorry. I'm gonna jump into a personal segment <laughs> Go for thing it. now. Let's do it. <laughs> and just hold on it. a totally other note, yes. All right. <laughs> Stop rolling yourself on the floor. Sorry, I'm in a giddy mood today. All right, so I just want to say that in the past two weeks, I've seen uh, two movies in a really cool 
press release matters. So Flyboys and Fearless with Jet Li. Uh, Flyboys isn't that bad. I highly recommend you go see it on the big screen. Um, if you're not into old war movies or chick flicks somewhat, because there's a really like big love story going on in there as well again, um, go see it as a matinee. But like if, if you like planes and special effects and stuff like that, go see it definitely on the big screen. Uh, it's totally worth it, except for one or two scenes where there's some 3D that's badly done. Otherwise, it's a really, really nice movie to watch. A little bit long, though. A little bit long. Uh, Fearless is also a very good uh, historical movie. And uh, with Jet Li, of course. So if you like Kung Fu, I highly recommend it. Otherwise, just hold back. Wait for the DVD and go rent it, because it's definitely something you, you might want to see if you're a little bit into, in, interested into the history of uh, the Chinese people and the Asian people. Icastra, stop bugging me. <laughs> no, I've just had a marriage proposal now. <laughs> oh, you've just had a marriage proposal. There you go. Yep. <laughs> well, where do you go when, when you get married? Like, well, if, if, I take this one, if I take this person up on his offer, I would have to go to Australia. <laughs> You'd have to go to Australia. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, this week, <laughs> I had a surprise trip happen to me, happening to me. Really? Uh, basically, on Wednesday at 3.30, so an hour and a half before I had to leave work, the phone rings, and it's this guy from HP, and he's like, how was your English? Well, pretty well, you know, pretty good, not mm-hmm. that much problem. You have a valid passport? Yeah, there's like big Star Wars celebration next year, I gotta have a valid passport. Uh, ever been to New York? No. Wanna go? Sure. When? Oh, tomorrow morning. What? <laughs> what time does the plane leave? 8.45. Okay, so I gotta be by the airport about 6. I can do that. And, um, like, okay, uh, how do I, like, where do I stay? What's happening in New York? So there was a big HP press conference where they announced that, uh, they were basically acquiring Voodoo, which is a gaming company that's located in Calgary. So kudos to HP for a very good decision right there. And uh, they're basically entering the gaming market, and they showed us a lot of different things and a lot of different uh, projects that they have ongoing. So we just definitely can't wait to see uh, how it's going to fan out. And uh, I was really happy to actually go to the Millennium Broadway Hotel. Now, of course, they had to have a Star Wars somewhat inspired name, you know, Millennium Broadway, Millennium Falcon. I'm just like, there's no, that's no coincidence. It's It was meant and um it's right downtown uh manhattan and it's really like a cor- street corner away from times square so i was at times square for the first time in my life for about 2 minutes <laughs> and it was really fun i took a lot of pictures and i want to say to all of the nice people out there who live in the big apple that i'm um, definitely planning a comeback over there and uh the darn boards weren't working properly. The Dan Force Fan Force board weren't working properly on uh on Wednesday night. So I couldn't warn everyone I was coming. Aww. So I just like I sl- actually slept. You could have you could have looked hours. up our old friend Beazel. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just didn't like manage to do that. So Aw, poor Bees. <laughs> hey Beazel. Hey, Weasel. We salute you. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I basically got uh, got stuck in New York and uh, for 22 hours, and it was really fun. And I had a chauffeur that dro- drove me from the airport to the hotel and from the hotel to the airport back. So it was nice. Get the plane. All expenses paid for. 
So, since it was my first time, I didn't, you know, put it out there too much. But next time, <laughs> it's going to be fun. All right. Well, right now, since we're talking about bloodlines and we're having lots of funs, lots of fun, we're going to go to a short commercial and then we're going to be coming back with none other than Karen Travis. So you guys and girls be ready to ask your questions if you have them because it's it promises to be very, very fun. All right. We'll be right back to Star Wars on Direct. My lord. Yes, Captain. We've intercepted a rebel broadcast. Here it is. And welcome to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Hi, everybody. This is Will Mitae, the company by Ripple scum. They are in this system. I will deal with them myself. The Emperor himself has requested your presence about this matter. Prepare my shuttle. Yes, my lord. thy bidding, my master. There is a great disturbance on the internet. I have felt it. The show is Star Wars on Direct. Yes, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Can we communicate all the Star Wars fans through this show? Not yet, my master. Some fans have never heard the show. They will. It is inevitable. We can use the Force to make these rebel fans tune in live and then take control of Star Wars fandom. They will listen to Star Wars on direct or be destroyed, my master. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. This is Karen Travis, co-author of the upcoming Legacy of the Force series, and you're listening to Star Wars On Direct. And welcome back to Star Wars On Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom, with none other than Karen Travis, author of Star Wars Legacy Bloodlines. First of three books. That's right, Karen. Sorry, well, three three that I'm doing. It's a nine-book series. Yes. So uh, we're, we're just sort of doing them in sequence. So I'm doing two, five, and eight. Okay. 
And um, so, how how did you got to actually work with uh, Aaron and uh, Troy? Well, I think uh, people who who remember Comic Con, uh, it must have been oh, 2004. Uh, someone will tell me if I'm wrong with the date, but I know they'd already announced that Aaron and, and Troy were going to be writing the series, uh, and it was later in the year that they asked me to do it, so I was last on board. And uh, that was at, at totally out, out of the blue. Uh, I'd only just finished Hard Contact, and the book wasn't out yet, and uh, Lucasfilm and Del Rey said, well, would you like to write in the Legacy of the Force series? And that's how it happened, really. And of course, I, I said yes, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the the big thing about the Legacy series is that it takes us, like, I, I, lo I love the, the new motto, you know, the 60 is the new 40. Yes, and that is, and uh, and that's definitely true because that makes me about fifteen now. <laughs> <laughs> that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Perfect. And uh, well, the the fun thing about about this is that you're bringing back Boba Fett to uh, to the pages of the Star Wars expanded universe, and uh, in those pages, um, we we actually have a lot of background stories that is that is coming back to us and you know you you actually managed to tide a lot of the odd ends uh you know about the conquered dawn stories and the jester Muriel stories and all that you pretty much like rounded up all of those and answered them in what three lines of text i wouldn't say i've answered them i've certainly uh, flagged them up as areas of boba's life that perhaps we haven't seen answers to and maybe we will see answers in the future but um uh i think there are things that are, that are going to keep coming back to haunt him and uh you know when you think about it there's an awful lot that we don't know about him yeah. and i think the the real challenge for a writer with boba is that he's he's this sort of mystery figure but uh people still want to know what what's happened to him in his background how he's en ended up the way he is now i suppose there's two ways of playing that sort of character Um, if you've got a mystery man, a sort of man with no name type type, type character, then you can keep them as a total mystery. And I, and, uh, I think uh, someone was talking to me, talking to me about X Men and uh, saying that saying that Wolverine was in that was in that position for a long time, that nobody knew his back background. And then when the backstory came in, uh, some people were happy to see the backstory for Wolverine, and and, and some said, well, actually, no, they would rather that he remained a, a total mystery. And I think that's always a risk you take with that sort of character. Now with Boba. Uh, he was the total mystery man for so long, and then uh, it was it was revealed that he had a wife and kids somewhere, and things had not gone terribly well. Um, so once the cat is out of the bag, then then really people are going to be saying, well, well, what happened? How, how on earth did this man get himself in this in this in this state? And uh, and how's he how's he been filling those years? I mean, in uh, Bloodlines, though, was 71. There's an awful lot of water gone under that bridge, but we've actually seen very little of it, and he just pops up occasionally. And um, the fact that Jim Lucino brought him back in, in the Unifying Force was an absolute godsend because then you had to say, well, what was he doing in the meantime and uh, what does he do after that? Which was great. And, you know, I, I sort of got the feeling that there was, there was simply not enough Boba Fett in the world. And uh, when we had the meeting at, uh, at um, Lucasfilm in November 2004 to talk about Legacy of the Force, um, and... I was sort of sat there going, can I bring back Boba, please? <laughs> grumble, grumble. <laughs> But yes, I mean, um, everyone would want, want you to see Boba come back, and uh, none, none more so than me, really. 
I'm a sort of recent convert to the Boba thing, as you know, I'm a recent convert, convert to Star Wars, but um, uh, I must admit, now I do watch the movies with a slightly different eye. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when, you, uh, when you actually had the famous meetings at Lucasfilm, and you, you actually asked for Boba, did they actually mention that your work with all the, 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 the boys that you did in the past with Hard Contact and Triple Zero was so great that they basically wanted you to have Boba? Actually, it didn't actually actually happen that way. We were we were actually trying to um, do nine nine books, trying to do a, a story arc for nine books in one working day, uh, allowing for muffin and uh, and uh, cookie breaks. You know, so, mm. yes, we have to get our sort of first first things first first day. You know, sort of stuck up on the coffee and the muffins. And I just said, can I can I can I, can I bring Boba back? Because it's very hard to have Han Solo without Boba somehow popping up. Uh, more for Han's sake than anything to make himself feel loved and wanted. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I'm not. I actually can't remember the conversation we had. It, it was. It was. Uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, it was. Can Can I bring him back, please, please, please? And it was. Yeah, sure. And that was it. Bang. And um, no, nothing more more than that, really. Wow. Well, you actually did an incredible job at bringing him back. Mm-hmm. And and you know finally shedding some light on on his past and what happened after his father died, and you actually put him as one of the survivors of the Clone Wars, and that's pretty amazing. Tied in so much material. Well, in the sense that, sorry, when you when you when 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 you, when you say survivors, uh, in the in the sort of general sense that he is someone who is a general survivor. Or are, you, or are you talking sort of? Uh, uh, I mean, sorry, you'll have to give, give me a paid reference. Well, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that one. Well, by survivor of the Clone Wars, I mean, he was just a kid when his father was killed. Hmm. And, you know, that's a fairly good trauma to go through. Oh, terrible, yeah. And he actually managed to pull, it, pull himself through this yeah, and, yeah. you know, meet a girl, uh, marry her in the Mando way, uh, and, and get a kid with her and do all that. And grow up and, you know, start doing the bounty hunter as he was told by his father and all that. So, I, I, I actually picture him as someone who actually survived the Clone Wars in the sense that he was pretty much, like, given a really good slap at the very beginning of the Clone oh. Wars. But he actually managed to, like, make him, make his way through it without too much of a, of, of a bad thing happening to him. Well, I mean, there's, there's actually two ways of looking at that. Um, if you actually look at the way he was brought up and what happened to him, uh, it's a miracle that he even functions. I mean, uh, he really should be a, a, a sort of total basket case, shouldn't he? Uh, he's brought up um, in the most unnatural circumstances. He really doesn't see any other human beings uh, who aren't clones and who aren't uh, bounty hunters doing the babysitting. Uh, he's, he's partly raised by... Town, town way, which is <laughs> astonishing. I mean, where, where does he get his sense of being human? He certainly doesn't see very many role models of human females. Uh, he absolutely dotes on his father. Father's a centre of his life. Um, I mean, clearly Django's got a lot of baggage that he's brought with him. And then, uh, you know, and then suddenly dad is killed right in front of him. And that, he's, he's only got two ways to go. He can either collapse and go under or he can fight back. And, he actually does remarkably well, but then he then he becomes a sort of split character almost. That he's uh, on one side, he's enormously successful. He he he's he's not just the ultimate survivor. He he actually becomes the very best at, at his job. Um, 
On the other side, he's a total mess. Uh, he actually can't hold his marriage together for more than a few years. Um, I mean, obviously, I won't go into too much detail about that because that's into spoiler territory, but you know, he, he is not the most successful human being who ever lived. So he's this strange blend of this enormously successful, very driven uh, man and this total failure as, as, a, as a sort of what you and I might think of as a normal human being. So, so in some ways, he actually does pay the price. He, he certainly doesn't come out, out, of, out of it normal. He's always looking backwards. Uh, and like people who've lost someone dear to them at a very critical time in their life, uh, they do tend to both both idolise and 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 idealise them. Uh, he never goes through the stage of of actually going through a difficult puberty, fourteen or fifteen, with dad around and having fights with him. Dad dies at the sort of peak of his godhood, almost with with Bova. So he's got this Im- image of him, which may actually not have lived up up to the real Django had Django lived and and and, and they'd gone through life like a normal father and son. So it's this strange sort of unnatural life that he leads. So, you you think that he's like emotionally, of how can I put this? I don't want to say dependent, but he he, he was pretty much looking for for something like that to to happen in his life to find his way. Yeah, I mean. The, the way the way I the way I saw it psychologically is that he's still re- responding to a father that isn't there. Okay. And he's 71. It's really time to stop doing it. But he is constantly driven by by the need to need to prove how good he is for dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that when you think about it, uh, you know, when dad leave, leaves him with the thought that that he's that he's that he's just his legacy. I mean, that really sets the stakes for him, doesn't it? I mean, he has got to live up to so much. Yeah. So. I suppose, I mean, he isn't the sort of character that you're, that you're supposed to feel sorry for, but I do feel desperately sorry for him. Because what does he do when he stops bounty hunting? What does he do when he's too old, old to do it? What does he do when he's not the best anymore? It's, it's awful. It's a huge void. Yeah. And he's got to find something to justify his life. Because he really hasn't done that much. And, and you think he's found that in his daughter? Sorry, did, did I think he found it in his father, did you say? No, no, I, I, I asked I if... I didn't hear... I asked if he found he found that purpose in his daughter. I'm not well, I'm granddaughter not sure. actually. Um, I mean, don't forget he, uh, he uh, walks out on the on the on the daughter when yeah. she's a tiny child. So clearly, she's not the top of his list. Uh, yeah. I mean, he obviously has his reasons, and we obviously won't go into them now because that's a spoiler gun for some country. But um, family wasn't his family of his own doesn't seem to be his purpose otherwise he would actually still have been there he would actually have uh, stuck with Sintas and brought up their daughter but he but he just doesn't do that yeah so what does he do when he meets his granddaughter um that is not working terribly well as you can see <laughs> he didn't get on uh, there was certainly no sort of tearful reunion i um, mean it's tearful perhaps but for all, all the all the wrong reasons and there's no instant uh instant sort of mellowing of of, of either of them yeah, there's no milk and cookies involved there. Oh God, no, no. There's, I mean, you know, uh, he's definitely not. Um, no, it's definitely not the Hollywood soap type in, in ending there for him. I mean, not that it is, is, is not that it is an ending, but uh, he's got he's he's got a load of problems. And uh, I mean, she's she's clearly uh, the granddaughter is clearly not the most um, uh, normal of characters either. I mean, she's obviously got a, a lot of a lot of baggage. Um, she. She's had this mother who's been obsessed with killing dad. 
<laughs> you know, that is really the recipe for a total disaster. Yeah. So we will see where it goes um, and whether they can avoid shooting each other. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's right at the end of Bloodlines. That is a very fragile uh, relationship between the two of them. Very fragile. I, I, I don't want you to tell us if we're going to see more of Boba and his granddaughter. I don't want us to tell you where it's going to lead. I, I just speculate that I hope we're going to see some more. That's all, that's all I want to say. Uh-huh. Uh, but, okay. <laughs> but, but talking about Boba's granddaughter, um, we hear about the mother, but uh-huh. we, we don't hear that much about the father. No. Can we expect to find out who he is? Is there like a little, uh, little loose nut right there that's going to come back and slap us in the face in a few books? Um, well, let's just say whenever I write something, I've always got a backstory for it. I always know where, where it's going. Um, so, uh, sitting in my notebook is all those pieces of the jigsaw. Whether or not they appear in a future book, uh, I honestly couldn't say. Well, I, I hope that you can put those pieces together for us. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of pieces, uh, we, uh, we actually uh, encountered Tan Wee in, in the book. And uh, I was surprised, for one. I mean, you know, she's pretty old by then. Yes, yes. And uh, old, yeah. I, I do understand that, you know, she's a Kaminoan, and mm. they got the long life kind of thing going on for them, so that's pretty good. And um, I was really happy to notice that, you know, they still had some cloning abilities, even though they were not the supposedly best in the galaxy anymore. Um, mm. not on Not on a commercial point of view, anyway. No, I mean they've they've obviously taken a pounding over the years as well, and they've and they've lost key key staff, which is uh, I think something that most businesses dread. You know that they start to get they start to see their their sort of unique uh, skills leach out to other companies, and yeah. I think that's one of the things is that we is it's interesting to look at cloning as a sort of business because that's what it is. I mean it's a sort of commercial thing, and to actually ask why why would they leave? Because they, only, they really don't care about money. That's, that's one, one, one thing she's got in common with Boba. Um, once they've got enough money to do what they will want to do, they're not really obsessed either of them with gathering wealth. So what motivates her? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something that she's got in common with, with Boba there. That she is very proud of her skills. She thinks she's the best at what she does. And she wants to carry on doing it, basically, till she drops dead. Yeah. I mean, you know, to, she, she is still working. I mean, and uh, she, is, she is very, very, very old. And it's I'm not quite sure how the years line, line up, you know, in terms of like dog years versus human years, but uh, she, she is getting to the end of her life. Okay. But it's fun to see the, the somewhat uh, emotional relationship between Tanwi and Boba Fett mm. to, some, to some degree. I mean, it's, it's you know, when they, when they meet, he, he's, you can see, you can actually picture some hesitation in the back of his mind mm. to, uh, to actually perform the bounty. So... That's that's something I left to the 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 listeners to read about. Hmm. But the other thing you actually is that's actually mentioned in that particular thing is Kosai. Hmm, yes. Finally, <laughs> we've been waiting for that, yeah. and and um, I'm I'm a little surprised that uh, we actually get some conclusions from that part. Well, you know what's happened to her, but you don't know what's happened in the meantime. Yes, that that's correct. <laughs> Yeah, which uh, um, there are actually two two ways of writing mysteries. One is to leave the ending till the end uh-huh. and take the reader through the stages of it, and the other is to do uh, 
the well, really what I what I would call the call the uh, Lieutenant Columbo technique. You remember how that series used to start? Yeah. You'd see the crime. And then you. And that was the traditional end of most uh, uh, dramas. Yeah. That 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 series used to start from you seeing the crime exactly how it was done. The whole thing was then the backfill of the story of how he worked out how it had been done. Just like the Agatha Christie way of doing with uh, Hercule Poirot. Yeah. Yeah. So that so that that was the that was the approach that I took to it. That yes, we know that she was sent home via via a galactic FedEx. Um, but we don't know what happened in the meantime. We don't know why. We don't know how. We only know that that happened. And we mm. don't know whether whoever went after her necessarily got what they were going for from her. So there's still an awful lot that's not been answered there. So can, can, we, can we hope for either a book or an insider supplement or an e-book of some sort? What, to uh, actually look at what happened to... Yes. <laughs> well... That would that would be telling. That would be telling. But obviously, that's a question that needs to be answered at some stage. <laughs> All right. We'll we'll have the people in charge then. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the things about uh, uh, Cosine and the rest of them. Uh, don't forget, in all the books so far, you've only seen uh, the outsider's view of them. You've not seen their view of themselves. Yeah. So if I do. Um, do anything about it, uh, shall we say, then you might get a better in insight into into why they behave the way they do and why they see the world the way they do. Because it's always a little bit different. It's easy to see them as these really quite nasty creatures. <laughs> they're, they're utterly cold, um, utterly uncaring. Yeah. But that's the way we see them. Um, or, or more to the point, the way um, Cal and the lads see them, that they're just these things they don't understand. He just used them. But... They, but they've got a history too. They've got a background. Some of that's hinted at in Bloodlines. What's made them the kind of creatures they are? What make excuses for them? Just saying that, rather like uh, we see the other side of Jason and we see the other side of Waylon Vow, we see the other side of, of, uh, you know, of characters who are doing bad things. Yeah. Um, they always make sense to themselves. I just, I just can't wait. <laughs> I just want to read all about it. Right. You just mentioned Jason, yeah. and uh, I think that uh, he was pretty much the, the second biggest character in the book. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how emotionally drained I was after like listening to the audiobook and reading the book, and even going at at the end. There's the little uh, little prelude to uh, Troy's book, and I was just like, "Oh my God, <laughs> this is." So wrong <laughs> in so many ways, but how was it to actually work with this character and bring him to the same? I, I want to say to, towards the same path as Anakin, but it's not exactly the same thing. No, I mean this is this is the this is the line he treads through through the book. It's uh, he can see those parallels. He knows what's happening. Um, and yet he's absolutely convinced he isn't going to get it as wrong as Grandad did. He's absolutely convinced of that, but he isn't stupid. He knows exactly what the lure of the dark side is, and he also knows that with the level of skills he's got, because, you know, it's, um, Jason is not modest. <laughs> Jason knows what he can do, and, and, that's, the, that, and that, that's something he's got in, he's got in common with Boba. In, 
I mean, one of the things, one of the ways you can read the book is to look at the parallels between the two of them, and also how differently they handle things. Uh, they are, they are both pretty well at the top of their field. Yeah. Um, Jason wants power, but he's constantly telling himself that he doesn't really want it. He just wants it so that he can do the right thing by the galaxy. Boba's got power, and he doesn't know what to do with it. I mean, he's <laughs> not a power freak. He likes to run his own life, but he's really not into running the galaxy. Yeah. Jason wants to run the galaxy because he believes he can make the trains run on time and all that sort of thing. Um, I mean, one of the things about Jason is once you get in his head, you see how easily every single one of us can do what he does because we all justify to ourselves all the time. He's just doing it on a sort of galactic scale because he's part of the elite. He's got the power. He can he can actually move whole galaxies. Um, you know, he can actually change the course of uh, history. Uh, for us lesser mortals, we can, you know, we, we, we can sort of do, do things that affect other, other, other people's lives in our immediate circle. But we all do things we really know we shouldn't do, or we know have consequences that are bad, even if we think we're doing them for the right reason. And we can justify to ourselves that, you know, that you have to, break eggs to make the omelette, so, so, so to speak. And that's what Jason's doing. Now, the thing is, once you start down that path, and once you start thinking in Jason's head, I mean, this is... this. I wanted it to be as uncomfortable for the reader as it was for me, because once I started thinking like Jason, once I get into the character, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm only seeing what they see. I'm not seeing them from the outside, I'm seeing them from the inside. And I found it incredibly easy to start going down that path of saying, yeah, I'm doing some really quite nasty things, but... We've got to have peace at any cost because this, we can't go on lurching from war to war. This has got to stop now. And it's actually a very powerful argument because if you look at it, the longest period of peace that, that the galaxy's had in modern times was, was under Palpatine. I mean, it's just, that's the terrible truth. Yeah. Is that, you know, um, but they have had war after war after war. And Jason says, we can't go on like this. This is not the future that I want for, my family, it's not the future that I want for the galaxy. It's not, and he's also very conscious of the fact that the little people are the ones who get crushed in wars. Mm. I mean, what we tend to see in the, in the books and the movies are the actual power brokers. We, we actually see the movers and shakers knocking ten bells at, out of each other. What we don't see is the misery on the, I was going to say the human level, but, you know, pick the species of, of your choice level, that basically trillions of people's lives are utterly ruined by the uh, aftermath of war. And he's very conscious of that. And that's why he thinks some of the prices that he's exacting are actually worth paying. Yeah. And that, I mean, people say to me, well, am I supposed to think Jason's good or bad? I said, well, I, I actually don't know. All I can tell you is what Jason's doing. You decide if you think he's good or bad. Because it isn't that simple, because we can look in our own lives every day and look at the people we vote for or, or, or don't vote, vote for, and we don't agree who is a good head, head, of, head of state or a bad head of state. We don't agree who's evil and not evil. Um, so why should we do that with a fictional character? Because he, he, is, he is behaving like, apart from source powers and all, the, and all that sort of stuff, he's actually doing what, what heads of state and what senior senior politicians do every day. He's making hard, hard decisions with other people's lives. I suppose the big difference to Jason, which is actually one, one of his redeeming features, is that he actually fights in the front line. He actually, he doesn't sit at a desk. Yeah. He actually fights in the front line, so he's taking the same risk. 
and that is and that's really something that I think people don't give him sufficient credit for. You know, he isn't he isn't frightened, and he isn't a paper pusher. He believes in getting stuck in. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he knows where he's actually sending his men's to, and his soldiers to. That's it, and that is something he's got from Vader, um, and that's why people were loyal to Vader. Um, Vader liked loyal people. He, he liked he liked good soldiers. If you were if you did right by Vader, he would do right by you. And I, and I think Jason's doing a very similar thing. Uh, one of the reasons that that you know, that his troops will follow him is because he's proven that that he will he will get in there with them and put up with the things that they put up with, and that's enormously powerful and does create a very strong bond. Indeed, and. In, in, in that particular bond, uh, we see something very clear in, in the book, and that, it's that, you know, he's definitely going for the better of the galaxy, no matter what, the way he sees it. Um, and he even goes to the point of court-martialing Jaina, his own sister. Mm. And that's really harsh, uh, although very understandable by the rules of war, and Absolutely. rules of engagement. Absolutely. So, I mean, Where I, I have to ask you, where did the idea came from to actually court-martial Jaina? Um, I can't remember where, where the idea came from, but I think I got to the stage where I thought just ha just just what would come first for him, family or or his task, what, and what he actually sees as sees as his duty. He really does see it as his duty that he can't walk away from. He really does see it that like like that. This is not something he's got any options over. He had. Um, Uh, fate and the force have given him these skills it's in, in this place at this time and he knows he's got to do something with it um, and, I, and I thought well that would be the ultimate test, I mean first of all uh, she's not going to like having to take orders from him, there's that whole awkward thing that he's put in a slightly more senior position even though they've got the same rank um, he, he gets this instant rank, she's work for hers um, she's, she's not the most uh, um, uh, quiet and meek woman <laughs> so she's going to be really really ticked off, off about that and then he gives her an order she doesn't want to follow and you know if you if you, if you look back at jane there's a few times where she has basically not followed orders um i'm not saying she does it all the time but there's been a few times when she's let her heart will rule her head yeah and he actually can't afford for her to do that now it was, it was quite interesting because um someone on uh, tos said Who actually fired first then? I actually went through the sequence of that of that dogfight. Well, I say dogfight. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a fighter with a freighter, so it's not quite a dogfight. But when you actually go through that sequence on that page, um, it's incredibly uh, fogged. That is definite fog of war. There's a real problem with knowing who who shot first and who started it. Yeah. And when Luke is talking to Jaina and, and says, well, uh, you know, who had fired on who? And she says, oh, it hadn't opened fire. Um, she's the one who opened fire. She started it. She doesn't remember that because mm -hmm. it happened in a split second. But if you actually go through that, through the, the point where, where, uh, she goes in to back up Jason and opens fire and he tell, tells her to finish the ship off because it's still got a functioning cannon. You, if you work through that dogfight, yep. you actually start to see It's, it's, it's an absolute mess, and he's had to make a split-second judgment, and he's told her to do something, and she's refused to do it. And that could get a lot of people killed. So he's, he, he has got no choice. He, he wants her to do this. And, and I don't know how much of it in his own head is testing her to see whether she will really do a prof 
professional job or whether she's just going to fall back on you're not going to push me around because you're my brother, etc., etc. But um, you know, it isn't as clear cut as it looks. It's, and it's also the way Jason actually gives the order. He first starts, you know, with some sort of a battle mailed kind of twin bond thing. Mm -hmm. And then afterward, he goes to the comlink to make it official. So, it's the, the first, the first reaction to the, the, the twin bond is actually, you know, very violent. Oh, yeah. And being Jaina, I think I would have made exactly the same call. I would have said, like, wait a second, why do you want me to fire so bad? And, It's 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 kind of scary the way Jason goes sometimes, uh, but to come back to what you were saying earlier, it's true that once you go dart down the path of actually self justification, it's really easy to 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 just stay there. Uh, and I'm the first to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but of course Jason thinks he's got his big plan, which which he has. He has, but I think he's got like maybe three quarters of it pretty planned out, and there's about a quarter of it that's left to, you know, fate and the yeah, force. It's destiny, what, he's, what yeah. he's actually got to do. That's it. Actually get the full fifth ticket, and and he, he doesn't like not knowing these things. And it's quite interesting because he's moved from being someone who's quite happy to go off for five years and do all this freaky stuff and, and you know, sort of uh, basically be, be a little bit of a hippie. And, you know, and get into all these strange uh, false techniques and just drift around. Yeah. And now he's actually wanting more concrete things. He wants to know answers because he feels he's right on the brink of actually getting stuff right. That This was where his whole life was leading. He's not really been too sure about that because he's been a bit flaky in the past, hasn't he? I mean, you know, he, you know, he's been a bit of a tree hugger. Um, and you know, he, he sort of dabbled with all this strange stuff. And then suddenly he's got a real job and he thinks, ah, this is what I'm here for. This is my purpose. This is what I've got to do. And I cannot shut this. I've got to do it. So now he's looking for real certainty. And he's he's starting to get a little bit paranoid, obviously, because one of the things about the more powerful you get, the more en enemies you gather around you. And he's going to the stage of wondering who he can believe, um, who's on his side, who's double-dealing. And I think that's one of the things that... It isn't just that it goes with being sick. It goes with power. Yeah. And I can't tell you how, how true this can be, like, even on a professional level for, for someone like me, you know, the more power I get every day in my, in my workplace, the scarier I, I get that I'm pissing people off. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, being, being the boss is never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> yes, but still, <laughs> you've got to live with the consequences of your decisions, and that's, that's pretty, it's very hard. And I think Jason's got this coming his way, and uh, especially when when it comes to Ben, because there's this bond that's been you know uh, go growing between them, and there's this point in the book where Ben actually says, "Hey, by the way, I I really wish I was just like you." Yes. But then you did something, and I'm not sure anymore. Yes. So and then of course Ben goes down. A path that's similar to what uh, Jason did, without spoiling too many people, mm. um, and he starts questioning himself yeah. ab about Jason and about his own way. And I don't. I, I'm I'm afraid he's going to go catatonic at some point. We're just going to lose him again. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things about Ben is he's definitely come out stronger. Uh, I mean, he's 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 another character that 
I, you can look at it and think, oh, I'm, I really don't envy him. I mean, imagine being the child of those two parents. Yeah, that's he, it. He's, you can imagine, he, he, he will just be constantly in their shadow. Um, it, it, it's basically the sort of, uh, it's the, it's like the offspring of any famous person. Uh, they really, they, they have a real challenge in life to try and establish themselves as who, who they are and not just son or daughter of, you know, there's an illustrious parent. Mm-hmm. He's not just got one, he's got two. And he's at that age where he, he, where he really wants to, on one hand he's being told that he's got to knuckle down and, and be an adult and, you know, use his, use his Jedi skills. And on the other hand, he is a 13 year old lad and, you know, uh, his hormones are all over the place. Nothing, you know, and he's, he's actually trying terribly, terribly hard. And what impresses me about Ben is he is, he is trying to be his own man. And he isn't blindly following Jason. He's certainly not blindly following his father. And he isn't just blindly kicking over everything that Luke puts in his way either. And I, mean, I know he's at the bolshy stage and he doesn't want, want to hear certain things, but he has got the courage to go back and actually talk to him occasionally and say, you know, I'd really like to try doing this and try doing that. Uh, so I think he's doing remarkably well, but he's, you know, we, you know, it's an awful lot to put on a 13-year-old. I think this is quite in, in, interesting because um, if you actually stand outside the Jedi and look at this, they have got a 13-year-old boy fighting on the front line. I mean, this is a child soldier. I mean, obviously, to obviously to Boba, this means nothing because that's what that's what Mandalorians do, but. Look at the outside world's reaction when you see how uh, Shevu uh, reacts to it. He is not a Jedi, he's an ordinary human being. And he isn't used to 13-year-old kids being given weapons and being put in the front line and being put at risk. And you actually hear him say it a few points, he's just a kid, leave him, you know. And he's shocked by this. And I think that's one of the, one of the sort of filters you can put on a book is to say, we're, we're sort of used to seeing the Jedi up close. We don't see how other people see them. And I find that interesting because when I'm doing a book, I think, all right, Say I'm walking down the street and I can see someone in, the, in these robes and I know they're a Jedi. And I'm an ordinary member of the public and I know that they've got this strange sect where they take them as babies and they, and they, and they sort of train them from about three or four to use lightsabers and they've got these mystical powers and they can make you think things you don't want to think. They're really scary. They're really scary. And you think, well, I'm glad they're, they're, they're on, on our side. But you get some of that coming through in the book that however loyal Shavu is, uh, he, um, he actually says, you know, this is just a same old kid, you know. It, of course he's going to be upset. Of course he's going to be all, all over the place. And you start to get a glimpse of what the real world's like and how odd the Jedi way of life is. When you look at their whole family, if you look at the whole Skywalker and Solo family, that is not a normal family. They're trying terribly hard, but they have been at war all their lives. Yeah. And it's just a staggeringly dysfunctional family. <laughs> you think about it. I say dis- dysfunctional isn't the right word because obviously, you know, Han and Han and Leia have held her marriage together through some very difficult times and they brought up relatively normal kids who have obviously, you know, when you think about them, they are now in their 30s and they really should know better by now and it's not Han or Leia's problem. You know, those kids should resolve their own problems. They can't keep blaming mum and dad for <laughs> circumstances. But it's a very weird family. It's it's a very complicated family indeed. Yes. Oh yeah. It's it's definitely the stuff that soap operas are made of. And and it's definitely not getting any better when you think about it. No, it's definitely not. No. <laughs> but, but Espe- then that's another parallel that 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 they've all got with Boba Fett. They don't know any other way of living. 
They yeah. don't know what to do when it's quiet. They don't know what to do when it's peaceful because they don't have a function. Their whole life has been about struggle. So Then when the pressure's off, it's like, what do we do? Who are we? What are our lives? Yeah, and then you have Jason who actually puts pressure on himself by going out for four or five years and learning different ways of the Force and stuff like that. Exactly. So, it's 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 indeed very problematic issues right in there. Yes. And I love the way you just like into that the possibilities of the future in in the book and the possibilities of the the future of the Solo family most especially. Uh, with Jason's, ten, with, with, well, with Tenelka and Alana being just like omnipresent in the book. Hmm. Somewhat always at the back of Jason's mind, but always hidden so that Lumia wouldn't see it. Hmm. And, um, then, you know, you come to the end and you, you, you start to really wonder what, what, what's really the most important thing for Jason. Well, we don't really know at, at the end of the book. Yeah, that's it. We don't know because... Is it, you see? Because I've had a few people say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to try and stay, stay away from that big spoiler, but um, uh, people have said to me, oh, how could, this is awful. How could he think of doing that? I said, um, if you actually read that scene, you don't know what Jason thinks. That's you it. You know that he's devastated by it. You don't know what he's going to do, and you don't know what he thinks of it, other than he's very, very upset. It's about the worst thing you could possibly hear. But the funny thing, the funny thing I found about that particular scene is the way Lumia is being so foggy about the uh, the answer she gives him, and the way he's so absolutely certain about the answer. Yeah. And as episode three told us, only the sit deals in absolutes. Yes. And that's really funny because I think that's going to be somewhat part of the redemption of Jason, to some to some point. I don't want to speculate any more about this. Good. <laughs> because I'm sure it would lead you into trouble, and I don't want that to happen. But I have my own idea into the back of my mind, and I, I'll keep it for, for myself right now. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but it's, it's a really, really interesting, it's a really nice way to end the book and really, you know, grab us with a really big hook and just make us wait for for Troy's Tempest. Tempest? Tempest? Tempest. I, just, I can't wait to read it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one of the things about a series like that is, one way of, another way of looking at it is to see it as one continuous, well, it is one continuous story, but if you see it as one book, yep. um, rather than nine, then the books all individually have to serve, some, apart from that they have to stand alone, they also have to serve the purpose of chapters within a larger book. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the way... Um, I mean, we, we all we all end 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 our chapters differently according to our style, but um, you've almost got to have some cliffhangers, yeah. Because otherwise, it just shuts the pace down as the, of the book too much. Mm-hmm. So you you have to end on these uh, on, on on these things, and so you say, well, where where does it go next? Because that then provides momentum for the next book. Yep. And you did an you did an an awesome job with uh, with bloodlines. That was like not only with Jason and with Jaina and with the Solo and with the Skywalkers, but also with Boba Fett. I mean, I hope that we're gonna read some more about him in the future. I just can't hope. I don't want an answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there are. If you if you, I mean, now you've read the first two books. Yes. Um, you will see there are storylines that are hanging there, and you know, maybe they'll get answered. Hmm. Maybe they won't, but maybe they will. 
And and also like what I like to keep in mind while reading this particular series is that history has a very big tendency to repeat itself. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's that's all I want to keep in mind, but I know I'll be surprised no matter what happened. And uh, you were telling uh, you were you were talking about, you know, how the, the nine books have to be written almost as one big book. It's one continuous story. Um how often or like do you even correspond with Aaron and Troy about the the, the storyline? Oh, frequently, uh, several times a week. Um sometimes there are huge flurries when when there'll be 20 or 30 emails going back and forth uh you know in, in the course of an hour or so. Um It's obviously quite a balancing act, you can imagine. I mean, even when you're writing your own series um, and you've got no other authors working with you, there's still a lot of moving around and stuff that needs to happen in a series. Now, if you've got three writers and we're all thinking different things at the same time, um, that management becomes that much harder. And even though we've got the story artworks worked out and then we do the outlines of the individual books so we know what's happening, We will still reach a stage when you're writing something because books tend to write themselves. Well, I mean, they certainly do for me and I'll be writing something and the characters will want to take it a certain way and uh, I'll think, now that might that might complicate matters for, for someone else. So I will mail everybody, mm-hmm. um, Lucasfilm, Del Rey, Aaron and Troy and say, look, um, I've hit a point where this is happening. Do, do we need to do this? Uh, what happens to your story if I do this? Or can you do such and such in your book so that I can do this here? And obviously that's something that Aaron will ask us and, and also Troy, Troy will ask us too. And we're constantly doing that back and forth, that shuffling around. Because one of the things about writing a book is um, if you know everything that's going to happen in it, the very small detail, then you will be bored. And that boredom will come across to the reader. Now that was... Uh, the, the person who taught me that was Sean Stewart. Sean Stewart taught me at Clarion in uh, 2000. And, uh, you know, as you know, Sean's done, done his own Star Wars novel. And I thought that was a very valid point. So even though we've agreed the outline and we know the bones of the story, there's still the sort of flesh you put on it, which is which has got to come as a surprise to you because you're in the character's head and you've got to think it through. Yep. Um, and that's where you've really got to be very alive to what impact that could have on other people. Who are also writing at the same time, and it's a matter of staying in constant touch. And sometimes someone will say something totally at random, and I'll say, "Oh, that is really handy. Can I take that bit for this book?" And then you can do X, Y, and Z. And and that's how we do it. And it is, a, and it's a, a constant juggling act because uh, the small details really can trip trip you up, and that's why it's so important to actually stay talking to each other and really work closely on it. Well, so far. You're doing an awesome job. <laughs> Just keep up the good work. And make sure your computer stopped dying on you. Well, I've now got um, three network laptops, two Windows and one Mac, just in case the Windows thing gets a virus. I've got three firewalls. I've got, so I'm just peering on the side of my desk now, I've got one, two, three external hard drives, backup drives. I've got everything backed up on my iPad. I've got several um, flash drives in various USB ports that also get duplicates. Um, basically, whatever happens now, I've got so many copies of everything that if, that if something fails, I can then switch immediately to another system. It's cost it a fortune, but there is no way I'm ever going to go, go through the, the IT woes that I had at the start of the year, which, which hit me very hard. I actually lost seven weeks. It's yeah. an awfully long time for me, and, 
and I've been playing catch-up ever since. So I'm now paranoid about IT. I've got so many backup systems, you would not believe it. Oh, I, I, could, I, I have pretty good ideas, and I can tell you that uh, my friends at HP, Hewlett Packard, yeah. this year they're coming up with a lot of very nice ways to backup data. That uh, I'll I'll let you know about them, but you know the Media Vault is a very nice little uh, invention, and I think it's something that most of uh, of this generation's people should actually buy because it's it's gonna be handy, <laughs> definitely handy. Right, I made a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've made a sale. <laughs> All right, um, I'm checking the chat right now. And uh, we have uh, Metab who's wondering if uh, do you believe if do you believe that Conquered Dawn is part of the Mandalorian sector? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Do you believe that Conquered Dawn is part of the Mandalorian sector? It's always been part of their of their sphere of influence. Hence the hence the crossover. Is that what you mean? I guess it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's good, and. Um, when you uh, when you wrote about Boba Fett yeah. in uh, in Bloodlines, you mentioned that he's not that much of a practical man. But how close is this supposed to be to a I man? How close how close as a non-practical man is that supposed to be to Mandalore? I'm sorry, I didn't understand that at, at, at all. Sorry, can you can you repeat that? In Bloodlines, yeah, you mentioned that Boba Fett isn't all that big of a of a practical man. That's what I don't. Un- Sorry, that's the bit I don't understand. Un- 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 oh, okay. What, what um, I'm guessing that he's not like a really big logical man or looking to be out of I a. Didn't say that at all, no. Yeah, or, or I'm not to- sure where where that where that comes from because the, the whole point about Boba is that he's a very prag- pragmatic man. So I'm not sure where that question's come from. Maybe Matab just didn't understand the book correctly. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, that is that is an, that is a very pragmatic man. Okay. That's the whole point, and that's why the novella. That went out at the same time. He's called a practical man because that's yeah. exactly what, what what he is. And in um, and in order to make Boba the Mandalore of all Mandalorians in there, we actually see a little bit that you know there's some trouble brewing within the Mandalorian uh, blood yeah. itself. Um, I just want to ask it, but I can't. <laughs> But I, I'm guessing that we're going to be able to see some more about that in the future. Uh, possibly, yes. All right. Possibly. I mean, clearly there's an issue there that... Uh, yeah. Well, there, there's somewhere in your notebook. Yeah, somewhere in the notebook, yeah. Somewhere there's... in the notebook. Um, yeah. who, who knows what the future holds? <laughs> um, Shelley Shapiro? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing she would. <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess this will conclude our uh, interview for Bloodlines. Uh-huh. And uh, on the personal side of things, are there any new non-Star Wars books coming out from you? Yeah. Um, the, the fourth book in my City of Pearl series, West Star Wars series, uh, called Matriarch, came out. Um, uh, well, it was, it was supposed to be out uh, today, but it's been out for a few days. It came out on, uh, last week, so that's so, so that's available now. Uh, Ally, which is book five, is out on April the first next year, and uh, so that series will 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 conclude at, at the end of two thousand and seven uh, with Judge. So uh, the Matriarchs out anyway, which is a bit odd because 
I'm so far, for, you know, I'm so, I'm so much further forward down the production line that I sort of forget that the books that are now on the shelves are ones I've written a long time, time ago. So it's a bit odd to, uh, I have to really remember which book's out because I was talking to someone the other day and I realised I very nearly gave a spoiler for, for Ally because Ally is the one I've just finished. Okay. And I thought, no, hang on, that, that one's not on sale. Oops. So I had to, <laughs> to do a quick, uh, I had to screech to a halt there and not, uh, and not sort of finish the rest of the sentence, otherwise it would spoil things massively for them. All right. So there's definitely a lot of a lot of things to look out for between now and Tempest. Yes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a fair few books coming out, and it's going to be a busy. I'm uh, solidly booked pretty well through most of next year, so uh, I'm a busy girl. Well, you keep up the good work. And you keep on emailing Troy and Aaron, and Absolutely. you finish us this wonderful series, that's Legacy. Great. Thank you very much for being with us again. Well, thank you for ha having me, and it it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you when the next book comes out. Right, yeah. All right. Bye now. Bye. So that was the live interview with uh, Karen Travis of Star Wars on Direct. All about Legacy Bloodlines, a wonderful book. If you haven't read it yet, do so. If you're not too much of a reader, get yourself the audiobook. You're going to go through emotional, uh, painstaking moments as much as we did, I'm sure. It was an awesome audiobook. I've it's got the novel, I've read part of the novel, but yeah. listening to the audiobook, it just like stopped me in my tracks every so often. I was like, whoa, you know, it yeah. just like totally grabbed you. It's like, what? The would the, why how like, oh no don't do don't do that <laughs> don't do that <laughs> you're like what are you thinking you're like yelling at the cassette and you're like the cd player the CD saying player. what are you thinking <laughs> dude wake <No>. up <laughs> so no definitely i must admit this is uh this is definitely something uh really nice that um that i just can't wait to see uh, Noelle's asking if uh, if uh, there's going to be any new RC books coming out, like uh, Republic Commandos. There's supposed to be one next year, isn't there? Um, I don't know if it's been officially announced. Oh, I, maybe I saw it on Karen's blog then. Yeah. On Live Journal. Cause I, I, do, I, I do believe there's something else coming up, and uh, as she told us, there are a few notes in the no in the notebook, and uh, that particular notebook is very precious. Don't let it catch on fire or anything. Although it's still all in her mind, so yeah, yeah. You gotta have multiple copies, you know, hidden in safety deposit boxes here. That's there. right. <laughs> That's right. Um, but definitely, it was uh, it was an awesome interview. And uh, Noel was also asking me about uh, what what was my what's my theory yes, about the Sebastian's ending of the crazy book. Sebastian's crazy theories. <laughs> That's good. I didn't think about that. But before I go on, actually. Uh, actually talk about it i'm gonna we're we're actually gonna go to a short break and we're gonna listen to a part of it we're just gonna tease you you know Ooh. you know we're we're gonna go, we're gonna actually do the colombo thing and we're and the Agatha christie thing and we're gonna give you parts we're gonna give you tidbits parts of the end of the uh of the book and uh you're just gonna have to read it because it's it's really an awesome book and you just can't fall asleep to it really uh, I, I picked it up and I read about one third of it in two days. But then I got holed up with working on that, so. But, listen to the next few, uh, few bits. 
And uh, we'll be right back on Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Lumaya's safe house, Galactic City. Jason had the dream again. The one where he found himself staring at a weapon in his hands and sobbing. The dream had taken a number of forms in the last few days. In the first, he held his lightsaber. In those that followed, he held a Yuzhan Vong ampistaff, or a blaster, or a light whip. In one, he even held a weapon he didn't recognize at all. The recurrence bothered him enough to seek Lumaya's advice. He stood at the doorway of her apartment block and looked up into the Coruscant sky to see if he could detect any light from the window. She was there, he knew. Inside the apartment, Lumaya sat meditating, her face veiled again. There was no force illusion this time. The apartment looked like any other rented apartment with basic furniture and taupe carpet, a strangely mundane setting for such pivotal events. In her hands, Lumaya held the tassels whose knots and threads were a language, a prophecy, an arcane instruction book of what Jason had to do to achieve full Sith knowledge and power. On the low table in front of her was a candle, burning steadily, and occasionally guttering in a draft. I have dreams, he said, dreams of weapons that I've used. And they distress you, said Lumaya. All I recall is that I'm looking at a weapon in my hand and feeling enormous grief. It might just be a dream and not a vision. The weapon is different each time. Perhaps just a dream, then. I find myself pursuing the memory of my grandfather with increasing frequency. Lumaya fondled the strands of the tassels and ran the knots between her thumb and forefinger. She seemed to be reading them. You depend on location to flow walk in time, she said. So you can only see what happened to Lord Vader on Coruscant. Is that your way of telling me I need to find out more elsewhere? No. I'm saying that if you look for vindication in the past, it will be at best selective. I feel I'm reliving parts of Anakin Skywalker's life. I'd be crazy if I didn't try to learn from that. But you already know that your path differs. He was seduced into errors. You won't be. All right, let me ask again. What more do I need to learn to fulfill my destiny? Lumaya slowly extended her arm and held out the tassels she had been running between her fingers. He reached out and took them. They felt suddenly red-hot, and he tossed them a little in the air out of pure animal instinct, as if he'd grabbed a hot breadstick from an oven. When the threads fell back into his hand, they were cold. This is your final trial, Jason. You've sacrificed a great deal, the approval of all those who meant most to you. You've taken extreme measures to deal with those who deny justice. Now you must consider the third prophecy. He cradled the knotted tassel in his cupped palms. He will immortalize his love. He'd turned that phrase over in his mind a thousand times. What did it mean? Total duty to the galaxy and no time for family? building eternal peace at his own personal cost? He didn't know. It means, Jason, that sacrificing your own feelings and reputation isn't enough. What then? You have to kill what you love. Jason didn't quite take in the meaning of that at first. Then panic gripped him. Tenelka, Alana. How did Lumaya know? How could she know? 
He'd been so careful. He'd hardly dare even touch them in the forest because he risked alerting Lumaya to their very existence. Every visit he sneaked in was fraught with danger. But he'd have been careful, as careful as only he could be. Jason concentrated hard and projected a sense of bewilderment to mask the dread and fear churning his stomach, and it took almost all his strength. He picked up the candle from the table and stared into its flame as if distracted by it, using it to focus his control. You'll have to explain that. I can't teach you any more skills. You now have to pass through that final barrier and do what no ordinary man can. Kill someone whose death will cause terrible suffering to those who love them. Someone close to you. Who? I can't tell you, because I don't know. Someone I love? Do you love someone? I allow myself to love many people. Careful, careful, you're on the knife edge. How will I know who to kill? It'll become clear when the time is right. You'll know. And why is it the ultimate test? Because taking the life of an innocent is always harder than taking your own, if you're sincere. This is the ultimate test of selflessness. Whether you're ready to face unending emotional pain, true agony, to gain the power to create peace and order for billions of total strangers, that is the sacrifice. To be vilified by others, by people you know and care for, for your personal sacrifice to be totally unknown to those billions you save. To do your duty as a Sith. To do your duty for the good of the galaxy. She stood so close to him that her breath made the candle's flame flicker. It's easy to be a clean-cut hero slaying monsters. There's always a little bit of vanity in it. There can be no room for vanity or pride in being despised. Jason held his hand in the flame. He held it there longer than he had ever done before, until he smelled his own flesh charring, and Lumaya reached out and jerked his arm away. He wasn't sure if he was testing his ability to transcend pain, or beginning his own punishment. He thought of his grandfather, killing simply for Padme's life. Whoever Jason had to kill as the price of being able to wield the ultimate defensive weapon of Sith Order, he would know his motives were totally divorced from his own narrow wants and needs. Like Tenelka and his Alana. Oh no, oh no. Lumaya took his hand and turned it over to examine the seared palm. Now, imagine that will be nothing compared to what you'll feel when you confront the ultimate challenge. Suddenly Jason could see his challenge, and the prospect terrified him. He would have to kill those he most loved. He would have to kill Tenel Ka and his precious daughter, his Alana. The fact that even the thought of it was tearing out his heart was the terrible proof that it had to be so. And still he could hardly bear to think it. The Yuzhan Vong thought they knew all there was to know about inflicting pain. But they were beginners compared with this. How could he even think it? Jason put his right hand to his face and touched it, as if it weren't his own. He felt as if he were standing over by the far wall, watching himself die by degrees. Is it me? Is it really my burden? Yes, Grandfather. It's me.
Jason accepted the burden in its entirety, and his heart, irrelevant, fragile, expendable, broke. At SimpleNet, you will get, at a very reasonable cost, an advertising space for your company, a website built for you by our team of professionals, or quite simply, a space to put your personal site online. The online gamers are not forgotten. We can offer fixed prices of bandwidth, as well as solutions for turnkey pre-configured game servers. Join us at www.simple-net.ca. Legends Action Figures, the place for Star Wars figures and collectibles in Canada. Visit our website and compare our prices. We've got customers from all around the world and the best service around. Come meet the staff at our Montreal store or visit our website at www.legendsactionfigures.com. All prices in Canadian dollars. And welcome back to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. As we begin the show finally after this wonderful interview with Karen Travis and I don't know about you guys but I'm really thrilled that we got to talk to her that way because it was awesome as usual all right so ladies and gentlemen what's been going on in the world since we've been uh, we've been out of touch well I'm gonna go straight into that and then I'm gonna tell you a little bit about fan audio stuff StarWarsFanWorks.com the home of Star Wars fan audio on the internet it's your home for Star Wars fan audio genre news, a comprehensive catalog of fan-made Star Wars radio shows, parody tales, and serious audio dramas, with behind-the-scenes features, a message board, reviews, tutorials, convention coverage, an internet movie database-style directory of the entire Star Wars fan audio community, and the only fan audio community-recognized Star Wars Fan Audio Academy Awards held each year. StarWarsFanWorks.com. Fandom has a whole new sound. All right, well, in the wonderful world of fan audio... Chrono Radio number 29 is uh, is coming out uh, in October, and uh, Almost Forgotten is the title of it. It's about less-than-known characters in the Star Wars universe, so you know those little aliens and the cantina and stuff like that. It's all about them, so promises to be a very inter- interesting episode. Of course, Fanodio Made Easy is also coming back with, it, with number 29 as well, uh, getting into the game uh, with how to do some live, uh, you know, covering like you use a game and you make the people talk into it instead of their actual chatting. So that's really nice. Uh, for those of you who know Red versus Blue, that's, uh, that's basically what it is, uh, but in the Star Wars universe. And Fanodio News Source number two, with a recap of what happened in September, is coming out. And Star Wars FM has two episodes coming out this this month, and I do believe that one is actually coming out today. Roni's on Radio number thirty-eight is coming back, and he's telling us all about Revenge of the Socks. He's looking back at it, and it promises to be very funny. It's funny about that Revenge of the Socks movie because we had uh, we had a gang here in uh, in Montreal who did the little Revenge of the Sock kind of the little Star Suck Star Wars in uh, at a OVMF concert. So it was very funny. We we've been meaning to do it on uh, on Fan Audio, but uh, our friend beat us to it. Darn it. <laughs> and uh, of course, Carson back. Carson Cast is coming back with some uh, reviews and it's a uh, it's going to be a very interesting. So you guys go check out starwarsfanworks.com because that's your premium source of information for all the Fan Audio out there. And, uh, of course, when we're talking about uh, fan-made stuff, there's only one reference in the Star Wars on direct world, and that's Audrey. And uh, 
He's like, what? What's happening? What? Huh? Huh? And uh, she's going to tell us all about her pick of the week in a few seconds. Yes, so for our new segment for Pick of the Week, I look at either fan fictions or videos or other creative uh, things that fans do in the Star Wars uh, universe. And uh, since I haven't really had any feedback from anybody else so far, I decided... What? I, wait, 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 wait a minute. I, what? No feedback? No, no, no Nobody no. sent you nobody stuff? Nobody has sent me, like, their work, their art, their videos, their fan fictions, links, L- or anything. Like nothing, like not even Slash? No, no. Darn. So, I mean, <laughs> if nobody else wants to brag about their work, I figured this would be a good time for me to brag about my own stuff. <laughs> oh, look at you now. <laughs> so, Star figured, Wars Sound Direct is not your personal publicity. My advertising uh, services. Services, eh? Yeah, yeah so... Well, this week it's becoming my advertising service, and right. I'm going to plug one of my own fan fictions. <laughs> I'm letting it go because you write good. Oh, well, yeah, you liked it. And it was actually nominated for the Summer Fan Fiction Awards, so I don't feel too bad. Unlike the stuff it. I write, <laughs> which isn't nominated for but much. You don't, you don't post it. Well, you- I better not. Can you just imagine what people would imagine if I was to post what I write? <laughs> yeah, your stuff kind of violates the T- TOS of the Jedi Council just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, onwards. Um, I'm plugging uh, one of my fan fictions. It's called Thank You. Mm-hmm. Very, very exciting title. But um, basically, it's about the NJO characters. Post-NJO uh, focuses on Jane, of course, because, well, hey, she's me, I'm her, and we're one of the same. So... <laughs> <laughs> right now, you're sitting in a jail cell. I am. No, she is. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but she could use her force powers very easily to get out of that. She's not in the jail cell. She's just waiting to be court-martialed because of her brother. But we aren't going to go into that. <laughs> Brat. <laughs> her brother. Yes. Sorry, you're getting me off on tangents now. How great was that that Karen Travis said that Jason was a tree hugger? <laughs> And just Aren't you happy? Anyways, okay, back on course now. Yes. <laughs> um, basically, um, the the part of the story that's out so far, uh, it's, you can find it on the Jedi Council Beyond the Saga boards. I'll put up a link in the chat in a minute. Um, uh, Jane is coming back from a mission. She's off on Jedi business. Um, she's returning to where she's living currently to... Um, Re- uh, reunite with her fiance, but she has like this bad feeling that there's something going on, and so anyway, she walks in on her fiance with somebody else because, of course, fan fiction is all about you know love triangles, romances, and whatever. So, um, so she uh, obviously gets really upset with all this and uh, goes off on a tangent, and she deals with what's happening to her. Um, but her family is not around, so she turns to the one person who can comfort her most, her longtime friend and uh, uh, Jedi Master, um, Kip Duran. So anyways, if anybody is interested in uh, getting uh, caught up in a tyrant of emotions and some sappy love scenes and whatever, 
You can check out my fan fiction. In that kind of thing? In that kind of thing. It is it is really, really amazing uh, to see all uh, all of what you pulled out with that uh, that story. Really is. It's, huh. it, it's scary sometimes what you can do with words. It is. Words Sim- simple are very words. powerful. And, uh, no, words are very, very powerful. It's amazing what you can do with words. Mm-hmm. So now, if I can just get this link for everybody. You're putting it in the chat right I'll now? I'll put it in the chat now. All right. Yeah. I'll take this opportunity to mention that uh, the, the site, the old site is back up because the uh, person I actually was going to pay to redo the other site is not So um, until we actually manage to put you up with the new website... Uh, we're going to be uh, like doing it part by part. So, you know, from like one day you're going to go to the staff page and it's just going to be totally different. So, who knows? And uh, right now I know that there are some links not working properly because I reorganized a lot of the stuff over there. So, uh, just uh, be very, you know, open-minded to the fact that I can't sadly do a lot of things. And as uh, Nathan put it so mildly, it's my own damn fault. I'm a procrastinator. It's true. You need somebody to get you going. You were going to say whip me. I was going to say whip you into action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're turning red, Seb. <laughs> I haven't been whipped in a very long time. Uh, I need some whipping. Well, you choose your weapon. I'll help you. <laughs> we're moving on now. <clears throat> <clears throat> into the wonderful community update segment. Alright, so in the community update this week, well, we want to say that on Saturday, 9th of October at 11, uh, the Fanfort Sweden annual crayfish party will be taking place. Uh, they join up in Bredang, Stockholm, and they get on board a sailing boat and then they sail out. The evening will be spent eating a lot of crayfish and having fun. This will also be the official five-year anniversary of Fanfort Sweden. For more information, you can go to the Sweden Fanforce boards on theforce.net. What the heck is crayfish? That's the mystery that lies around this party. It's like, what is crayfish? Is it sweet? Is it? I'll I don't know. Find out for you. Hang on. You keep going. I'll, <laughs> I'll get back to you. All right, Google it. That's it. Um, <laughs> Google's my friend. Also, uh, there's uh, the One Man Star Wars show that's going to be happening uh, on October 14th at 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. For in uh, well at the North Carolina's McLaughlin Theater at Spirit Square, Spirit Square, sorry. And uh, this is going to be part of a uh, charity food drive, so don't miss it. Be there. You can go s- more check more information on that at www.charlottefanforce.com, and uh, you can also visit the Blumenthal Performing Arts Center for tickets. Uh, tickets are twenty two fifty and seventeen fifty. So, and you get the crayfish answer. I know exactly what crayfish is now. I'm scared now. Crayfish, often referred to as crawfish or crawdad, are freshwater crustaceans resembling small lobsters, to which ah. they are closely related. 
They are found in bodies of fresh water that do not freeze to the bottom, and which have shelter against predators. And so, yeah, they don't tolerate polluted water and blah, blah, blah. So they're like langoust or something? Like bigger than shrimps, but smaller than... Um, what the hell was that face? No, <laughs> it's moments like this I wish the webcam was up. <laughs> um, no, um, apparently they're around New Zealand and Australia and... Okay. So. Ecaster's telling me like crayfish are like lobsters. Well, that's what I just said, isn't it? Yeah. I'm so guessing I'm guessing resembling just... small lobsters. Yes. That was in my first sentence. I'm guessing it's like <laughs> langoust or like yeah. I don't know. Well I'm looking at a picture of them. So Okay. Yeah. They Looks look like small lobsters. Like a big shrimp? Uh, no, bigger than a big shrimp. Bigger than like, a big shrimp. Well, I mean big shrimp with nasty claws. Big shrimp. Because <laughs> <laughs> they still have claws. Okay. And big Yeah, there you go. I think it's I think it's yeah. langoust. Okay. They're really good, delicious, with some garlic butter. Mm. That's awesome. Okay. I'm hungry already. Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, more food. No more food. All right. I also want to mention that uh, next week here in Montreal, from Friday the 13th to... Uh, uh, no, not next week. Two weeks from now. Uh, from Friday the 13th to uh, Sunday the 15th will be Concept... Uh, which is a Montreal general science fiction convention taking place. And uh, you can go to www.conceptsff.ca for more information about what's coming up this year. Uh, I can tell you that Steve Bass Basic is going to be here. Uh, for those of you who know her, Elizabeth Vonnerberg, uh, Robert, Robert Charles Wilson, and uh, we have director David Winning, Uh, who's coming to uh, to the the show this this year? He's, I believe, a Hugo Award winner. Um, so definitely something to check out. And uh, also appearing as Master of Ceremonies, not me, Larry Stewart and Eric Gauthier will be there. So uh, you can come by. Uh, it's a very interesting event, and uh, I'm trying to find out if I have some uh, information on registration or anything like that. Yes. A, uh, a full membership for the uh, at the door will be fifty dollars. So it may sounds a little bit pricey, but it's not. It's actually a very good price for an entire weekend filled with a lot of fun. On this note, it is my uh, pleasure to bring you the celebration for watch news. Big turnout here from all corners of the Outer Territories. Order! We shall have order! The crowds are going nuts! Alright, so... There's nothing freaking new in the damn Star Wars Celebration 4 news, because these just nothing going on on this stupid website. And, and how many days till Celebration 4? Do you know? Do I you don't know, know. but Do you know how many days are left? Can you tell me how many days are left? 235 days. That's less than a year. Much less than a year. It's coming fast. I can't wait. It's coming really fast. All right, but however, uh, I can tell you two things. I was at a Microsoft um, holiday tour this past week. And um, without going into too many details, I can tell you that any of you with laptops should definitely get yourself 
uh, Streets and Trips 2007 on your Christmas list because it's a Microsoft program that that just like MapQuest tell, like allows you to you know plan trips and tells you how much uh, gas you're gonna spend and all that and uh, how long it's gonna take you to get to some place. Now the fun thing about that is that uh, you can also see all the hotels around uh, the Staples Center and the Los Angeles Convention Center and all the nice sites that all, all that are all around. I want to be in the Holiday Inn across the street. There's no Holiday Inn across the street. It's already all booked, guys. Yeah, I know. And those people are just like, damn, <laughs> I gotta get nice. <sighs> this so it's back to the Figueroa. Eh? <laughs> back to the Figueroa. <laughs> it was funny because I had, I think there was uh, uh, an episode of um, of some sort of TV show this weekend. They said, oh, let's put them at the, the corner of Third and Figueroa. And I'm like, oh my god, oh, that's the street! <laughs> Did you check to see if your booking was still there? I actually didn't check yet, and uh, I'd be interested to know. To be well, to be very honest with you, I don't really care. No, me. Because even if they were going to charge something on the card, they have the old expiry date, so it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so there you go. Cool. Um, but still, would be nice to you know have a place where to drop off and actually pass out. Um, however. You know, this week, we've got some news about Celebration Europe. It's going to be from July 13th to the 15th, so that's nice. And it's going to be in the UK, and they're going to be celebrating the 30th anniversary and all that. Is it actually in London? Uh, I Yeah, yeah, they said it was in London. I'm trying to read through the news really fast. Because uh, I know that Cards Inc. is going to be the company that will be taking it under under its under its wing. Okay. So I do believe this is going to be a very well managed convention, and they said that they were uh, going to be working very closely with fans, licensors, and all members of the Star Wars community to ensure that Star Wars Celebration Europe is Europe's own unique event for all things Star Wars. So uh, I think it's a uh, it's a very good way of approaching thing, guys. Just make sure to, you know, listen to what fan wants and make sure to keep your head, you know, really open and out of the box for the best logistical position on how to do things. Psst, a little trick. The 24-hour store. That's a very good idea to pick up. Do it. <laughs> um, and the, they actually have a website you know, they actually have a website. It's called Star. It's called www.celebrationeurope.com, and they tell you to uh, to actually visit the website for more information about when they're going to be selling tickets and when they're going to, you know, all that. So I think it's really funny, uh, and they they even have it. They, they even have something in French. So for those of you who are listening to us from France. Uh, Definitely go check it out because it's going to be in London, so it's, you know, it's a it's a train 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 away. Should we remind people what the rules of a convention are? The the one fifty two rule. Yeah, you're you're like one. Yeah, that's it. The one the one yeah, yeah. well one fifty two one twenty five. It's basically uh, one shower a day. It's very important. At least two meals, you know, two very good meals, and of course five hours of sleep. Now, I, I, I don't particularly take that into motion when I go to convention, but the shower day now, it's it's straight. Yeah. The two meals, well, I got reserved, so, you know, <laughs> I'm fine. But I do get a headache if I don't eat something. 
I got something when I was at Celebration 3. Um, I did the one shower day, obviously. But the, the, the meals, well, we had like that continental breakfast thing. So we'd grab like a croissant on the way out the door. Yeah. It's <laughs> that a- would nourish us through the day. And then we'd have one good big meal at night. Yeah. Yeah. And you might you might want to grab like a boost or you know some sort of like mm. pop like pop liquid, but not too sugary because it might give you a headache. You might you just want to keep keep things stable. Uh, actually, having something like a croissant or a little muffin, uh, or an, even an English muffin, if you're if you've been listening to Make It Easy ad recently, um, <laughs> that's always a good idea. Uh, mm. What I do personally is I pack ramen soups, uh, real ramen, not Mr. Noodles, not the crappy thing. Ramen soups, because you can just like crush them and you can actually eat them in the, the eat them dry and they expand. In they your expand stomach. in your stomach and that will fill you up and they will actually give you uh, a lot of uh, a lot of, a lot of energy extra to go on and mm-hmm. that's really good and you can just like have a drink of water with that and there you go you're fine. <laughs> and if you want, you can dip your finger in the in the beef stock or chicken stock or whatever. It's very salty though. Be warned. But the reason for which you wanna you wanna avoid big meal in the middle of the day is so that in the middle of the afternoon you don't get tired. You don't get tired, you don't get asleep, and you don't need the bathroom. There you go. <laughs> the bathroom's evil. Because I can tell you that while I was in New York, they they actually treated us to Bon Forty Five, which is a very nice steakhouse in the forty fifth street. And the guy comes to the table, the waiter comes to the table and he says, We have these uh beautiful pork chops that we beat the hell and then we cover with some you know tomato sauce and parmigiano Ooh, that sounds good i'll have that when when he, when he said beat the hell i didn't figure it was actually going to beat the hell the thing okay the poor thing was actually about one foot square about two millimeter paper thin paper thin <laughs> piece of Meat it's been run over with with just like a thin coat of of uh, tomato sauce and a really nice big coat of parmesan of cheese. parmesan cheese. It was delicious and I didn't finish it. And it's not because the oh. VP, uh, the executive VP of HP Canada was sitting next to me. It's because I was full, but it came back to haunt me during the, the presentations. So that's too bad. But you know what? It's just a, a lesson. Have a good breakfast. Walk out the the hotel. Uh, you know, get yourself going on. Avoid stuff like coffee or any... Especially if you're in armor. <laughs> Especially if you're in armor. That's, that's quite true. <laughs> and uh, just make sure to, uh, you know, have a balanced breakfast or anything like that. And you're going to have fun. You're going to enjoy your day. And it's going to be a fun thing to do. And there's going to be plenty of activities going on around Star Wars Celebration for time. And uh, I'm going to come back to you with this. Two weeks from now. And uh, two weeks from now, we might actually be broadcasting from downtown Montreal. Because it's going to be concept, of course. So, uh, depending on how everything's going, we might be downtown Montreal, but there's a chance, there's a very good chance we're going to be in studio. Because as much as I like concept, I don't anticipate it to be all that good this year. Who's going to be there? I don't know any of the details. Well, there you go. It's Steve Bassick, David Winning, a few authors. Oh, yes. that's, that's you already it. mentioned it. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I did hear you. I, I just didn't go in. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think that's the problem with a lot of people around me these days. My No, my brain is just on two topics right now. It's on I don't Celebration 4. Oh, okay. And it's on Evanescence. Oh, 
coming to Montreal on Friday, and I'm so excited I got tickets. Oh. Yes, and you're going with some <laughs> friends of yours? I am. Is Martin going with you? No. Ah. No, no, it's a girl's night. It's a girl's night. It's a girl's night. And we're all going goth. I'm going to have black in my hair. Can you imagine that? So this is downtown, right? Yeah, it's at Metropolis. Hey, that's right. Next bear wear. Work. I'll work mm. late and you can come by later. Yeah, I'm having floor-length black dress, gothy <laughs> jewelry, knee-high boots. Oh, I yeah. Have... It's going to be good. Must... My hair is going to be up and I'm going to have wisps of blonde hair and wisps of black hair coming Ooh. out the back. Yeah. Must go see show. <sighs> I'm going to take lots of pictures. Must take pictures. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait. Oh, anyways. Sorry, I'm way off topic now. No, that's all right. It's your fun you're that's having. My little, that's my little thing, yes. And you're allowed I'm, to. I'm obsessed as much with Evanescence as I am with Star Wars. So. Oh, is that so? It is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let us go in uh, the general news about the Star Wars things going on. Were you laughing at? Nothing. I'm not laughing. All right. Worst Star Wars Sound Direct intro ever. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> you know what? I don't care. Because I had to go through about 300 sounds to find that one. <laughs> All right. So um, what's new? Well, uh, Walmart is offering three exclusive graphic novels with the DVD singles. That came out, so uh, for those of you who like graphic novels, especially the old ones from uh, Marvel, I definitely recommend that you go to Walmart, because that's going to be really fun. There you go. That's like some very cool stuff. Um, do you know about the uh, Rose Parade? Uh, yeah, that's the parade on New Year's Day. Yeah, in Pasadena, yeah. California. Yes. yes, and Lucas. Well, guess, guess who's the Grand Marshal of that parade this year? Lucas! <laughs> and this has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that there's about 500 501st is going to be there? Well, that's right. George Lucas is going to be the Grand Marshal of the uh, Rose Parade this year. And um, in his word, it's a great honor to be a part of the parade. I've grown up with it, as I think it, uh, all American kids have. It was a major event in my household. We'd all look forward to getting up early and watching the parade. And occasionally my family would come down for the Rose Parade from Northern California, which was always a giant trip. Came to the first Rose Parade when I when I was about 10 years old. I was quite experienced then. It's more than amazing to be the Grand Marshal now. And uh, it's also very fun to know that uh, other people who have been Grand Marshals include uh, John Williams. You know? So that's nice. Also, in other George Lucas news, he uh, donated a lot of money to, mm -hmm. U to uh, UCLA. Uh. Or UC... University of Southern California, isn't it? USC? USC, there you go, thank you. And uh, that's where he, he, of course, studied it's his films. alma mater. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, very happy to actually provide some funds for the movie some. makers of the future. <laughs> some funds. <laughs> well, some, well, quite a large amount. I think yeah, it was, it was uh, 125 fairly generous billion uh, or something. Number. Like yeah. So, kudos to George. There you go. You know what? This guy has it. Encourage the kids of today for the future instead of encouraging today's adult with which all they want is more money. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. And uh, for those of you who know about uh, the uh, wonderful movies.com website, 
Uh, George Lucas was actually chosen least fi- favorite director on the site. And um, he came right behind Tim Burton and Quentin Tarantino and scored a 14-person note on Movies.com as least favorite director. Second place was Peter Jackson, and the top of the notch went to Steven Spielberg himself. So that's not too bad, you know. It's still a good competition, I must admit. I don't think I would put him behind Tim Burton. But since this is like a directorial issue, maybe. And um, also the Star Wars franchise came in ex equo with Lord of the Rings as favorite franchise. And was followed by Pirates and Spider-Man and finally X-Men 3. Uh, Then, of course, Revenge of the Sith... Also exequoed with none other than the Godfather. And they both came behind The Return of the King as the favorite movie of all time on movies.com. Mm. And uh, the, uh, the fourth place went to Pulp Fiction. And the fifth place went to X-Men The Last Stand. And I think that pretty much speaks for itself to say that when you go on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, don't believe all that you see. Because the opinions of the few do not represent represent the opinion of the entire world. Alright? Don't believe the internet. It's just a select. Star Wars is better than than, than, than a Lord of the Rings show. (laughs) (laughs) It's on a totally different playing field. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. You know, it's one's fantasy, the other one's space opera. So, come on. Yeah. Give due where due is needs be given, must be given, mm-hmm. has been. <laughs> Give credit where credit's due. Thank you. <laughs> you're stumbling there. <laughs> well, you're the one with all the the, the English knowledge. The English, <laughs> you know. Right. I'm just me. That's right. And uh, yeah, I'd say uh, that's 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 pretty much it. So, uh, Audrey. Yes. Can you tell me who's with us? Yes. In the chat, in the chat right now, we have Breathes G. We have Koki171. We have Left Elbow. We have Mad Neroid, M. Mathab. And we have Tyken Blade. And I'd like to say a little hello to Tyken Blade because it is his first time in our chat. Hey, welcome around, Tyken Blade. How are you doing? And uh, I noticed that Arnie just joined the, joined the crew. Oh, okay. He's well. not on my list, but there. Yeah, no, Arnie's there too? Yeah, that's... Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> My page hasn't refreshed yet. I can see things. <laughs> Magic host eye. <laughs> yeah. So uh that's that's actually really fun. I mean it's uh it's an awesome uh awesome awesome crew we've got with us. Uh I'm sorry about the late notification of early time, but I'm sure you can understand that, you know, we had to go through this because we wanted to be friends with Karen. And she lives in the UK, and she's five hours later than our, than our time. That means that now she's probably sleeping, or at least having a hot cup of cocoa by her notebook, writing down a few things. Yeah, it's 10.30 at night there now. She's going to be curled up with her magic little notebook with all those little tidbits we want to know. Yes, indeed. And speaking of little tidbits we want to know, I think it's about time we talk about the main subject of the day, which is, of course, bloodlines. Oh, yeah. How did you like it? I loved it. You loved it so much? I loved it. Uh, Matab is, uh, was actually in the chat earlier, and he was saying that um, he's not a big fan of the Republic Commandos book, and he said that a lot of people aren't either. But he thinks that's one that this is his favorite 
uh, expanded universe mm-hmm. book ever. And uh, I don't know if I can talk like for the entire enti- entire expanded universe, but I I gotta say that this is a very emotionally troubling book, and it's a book that makes you think on many many levels. And there's you know two main characters which I consider to be Boba and Jason, and then there's some secondary characters like Ben mm-hmm. and. I don't remember her name. <laughs> Dramatis Personae. Where are you? Where are you? Ah, there you go. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> She's not in the <laughs> list of characters. Oh, there you go. Uh, Myrta? Myrta Gamp? Mm-hmm. Is that... That was the one that was with Boba Fett. That's, that's yeah. the, the granddaughter. Yes. There you go. Yeah, both his granddaughter. I mean, she's coping with a lot of problems. Well, that's a spoiler in itself for anybody who hasn't read the book. Yeah, but I... Okay, like, <laughs> by now, if you haven't read the book, I'm really sorry, but this is a spoiler on show, okay? So, this is all about speculation and all that, so... You choose to be here at your own risk from you this moment on. You choose to be here on. at your own risk, and if you don't want any spoiler, then just turn the show yeah, off. leave now. <laughs> just leave now, Okay. Because Boba Fett's got a granddaughter, and Alana's now four years old, and Jason's going to the dark side, like, head on. Yep. Yeah. Going. I think he's already there. And he's following <laughs> He's following through the path of uh, Anakin, Anakin, which is really, really funny to see how he somewhat goes back into the past and, you know, see Anakin's... Yeah, that time-shifting thing is kind of yeah. cool. I-, I want that. I want to be able to time-shift. <laughs> Go, and- that was cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, but would you be able to, to, to bear, you know, your grandfather's yellow eyes looking at you and slashing through your vision with uh, with lightsaber? You know, that's well, must be disturbing. I don't think that I'd have the same sort of visions as Jason. Of course not, but yeah. still. I think it would be cool. Cool Jedi power to have. Cool Jedi power to have, definitely. Yes. And... Um, it's, uh, I mean, Bloodlines is the return of Boba Fett to the Star Wars expanded universe after, uh, the NJOR. Mm-hmm. And, uh, definitely a good comeback. He hasn't been on hiatus that long, though. He's only missed four yeah. books. He's only missed a few books. Uh, but it's nice to know that A, E's still alive. <laughs> B, Tonwee's still alive. Yeah. From, and that's like from episode two. I was, I was I reading this and I'm like, Jeez. Well, episode two is the start of the Clone Wars. That's she's where we old. S- yeah, but that we see. Uh, well, she's not human. First of all, we don't know what the life expectancy yeah, well, that's, of uh, that's what co- I uh, Kimo- Kami- <laughs> Kami- ones. <laughs> Thank you, Kimino ones. That's what I figured afterwards. You know that this was yeah, like, pretty much a. And I mean, they're already into genetics, so maybe they know yeah. how to expand and extend their lives. Oh, they definitely so. Do. Hey, they got the shot before Kosai ran away. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's it. I, I and, and you see that you know Boba Fett is actually dying, and that uh, well, he's deteriorating. His yeah, his clone his, body with the whole you know like sped up stuff is still speeding up, much to his dismay. Yeah, that's it. And accelerated. Uh, and, and he's having trouble with a leg. He actually had a, a leg clone. Yeah, it was like a transplant. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of. It's kind of funny and odd at the same time. And there's so many answers about Boba's past. Yeah. That you wa- you've been wanting to know. 
that are answered in about two lines. Yeah, his character is very much developed, answered, yes. and yeah, there's a lot of things put to rest once and for all. Once and for all, but there, then again, there's so much more. So many more questions raised. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's so there's so much more to to to, to find out. You put to bed what you wanted to know, and now all of a sudden you've got all these new things that you're that's like, it. ah. <laughs> And that you, you, you definitely have to go, okay, well, now we're doing this and going there and doing that. So that was fun. Uh, but Jason's evolution is scary. Isn't it well. a roller coaster ride? It is like, you know, you just think you see where he's at and then all of a sudden you go through another turn or you go up another hill or you yeah. drop down and it's like, oh my God. Just when you think you figured him out and you know, okay, he's going he's gonna to pull out. He's going to be all right. Yeah. No, he's... Dude, he's, you he freaking crashed light. your head. <laughs> and then, no, he like runs into another wall. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, horrible. He sees things going on. He's like questioning stuff. So who does he go to? He goes to Lumia to answer his questions. <laughs> That's it. Now, what sort of influence do you think she's going to give him? Hmm. You know. <laughs> you know. That's it. And the thing is that he, he goes to her about three, four times. Yeah, several times. And um, there's this last time, which those of you who were listening earlier actually got the chance to hear, where he's being told you're going you're gonna to have to do so much more than what you've just just did. Mm-hmm. You think that killing 300 civilians is something? <laughs> That's nothing. Dude, it's a blink you, of an eye, whatever. If, if you really want to be a Sith, you're going to have to kill what you love most. Mm. And that's Now when, he's analyzing. We're left off figuring what means the most to him. To Jason, he's that's He's analyzing it. what means the most to him. And, you know, I'm like... And he, but it's actually to him and to the people around him. To the people who love him the most. So I, I've been thinking, you know... Which character in the Star Wars universe at this point in time could actually die and give an impact on the entire Solo family, But on the entire Skywalker family, you know? But do you think it's an outward death or it's an, in, an inward death? Because, I mean, when you're giving yourself up to the dark side, you cease to be who you are. So in a way, you're killing yourself. Yeah. You cease to be Anakin Skywalker. You cease to be Jason, uh, Jason Solo. You become Darth whatever. Well, that's it. So he could, he, he maybe could be he loves himself. himself. And that's it's himself it. that he's not, you know, like he's still at that stage where he's hanging on to like the last chords of his soul, if you will. Yeah. And he's not ready to let go. And she's basically telling him, you've got to let go of yourself. Yeah. So that you can become more. Yeah. So maybe, and, and it's 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 actually a very good very good idea you got there, and I think it makes more sense than my previous idea. One of the previous idea I had earlier, which which was about you know, who would it be that would actually you know who can you kill, who's somewhat of a major character, mm-hmm. but someone you can actually you know get rid of fairly easily. I don't think that. You, I and 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 can. then it will actually ruin it will ruin the life. The emotional life of Luke Skywalker. It will rule, ruin the life of Ben Skywalker. Well, you might as well tell him what your theory was. And, and <laughs> then it's gonna, it's gonna give a pretty big shock, you know, to Leia, cause she's losing a very good friend. Mm-hmm. And Han's just gonna go, what the heck happened to my son? You know? So I think Mara could have been a good target for Jason to kill. I don't think so. I don't think so. Mara would see him coming a million miles away. 
she's been there. And I like the way that she's like understanding how he's got this love thing going on. Yeah, I like that she's picked up the undercurrents of that. But at the moment, she's letting that mislead her train of thought on him. Yeah. Whereas Luke is convinced that he's going dark. He's already there. Yeah. He knows it. Mara's like, oh, no, it's just because, you know, he's having this messy relationship. And we don't know any of the details, but, you know, leave him alone and he'll sort himself out. No. Trusty Mara. And, like, Jaina, like, totally can't sense him anymore because he's just so different to what he was. And, well, now she's just plain pissed off <laughs> with Oh, yeah, him. that's it. And I don't blame her. I was, like, listening to the tape going, so, oh, my God. So, if so not angry. Mara, okay, could it be Ben? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, if they kill Ben... Are they going to have another child? We know we know there's a Cade Skywalker in the future, but he's way too young to be Luke or, Mar- or Mara's kid. And that's just like, you know, there there's some limits to killing people, for God's sakes. I simply don't think they'd kill off Ben because he's been groomed so far to idolize Jason, to want to be... You know, like Jason's little, you know, copycat almost. And how sick is that? How how sick is it that he actually somewhat becomes just like Jason yeah. without really realizing it? Yeah. Because he, he, yeah. he sees Jason. Yeah. He sees Jason killing someone through mm-hmm. interrogation. Yeah. And that really scare, scars him, you know? Yeah. He's, whoa. It's traumatizing. It scares him and it scars him forever. Mm-hmm. And he, he wants to talk about it with you know, Luke. And but he can't approach his parents. He's at that awkward adolescent stage yeah. where, you know, if I approach them, I'm in trouble. If I don't approach them, I, I wish I could, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's that bottled up inside teen thing going yeah. on. But he finally finally goes to Mara yeah. and Luke, you know. That's, that's I think, that's might be one thing that, that saves him. But he goes there as a last resort because he actually kills someone yeah. himself. And he feels terrible about it. Yeah. See, that's the difference. Ben has a conscience. And Jason no longer does. Yeah. Jason's conscience went out the window when he killed the first two in the betrayal at the end of the book. That's it. Yeah. He's he's cut off his emotional whatever. Bounds. Noel's telling me, he's just a kid. (laughs) (laughs) He can't kill a kid. Well, yes, he can. You can traumatize the parents forever. Mm -hmm. And your sister's going to go after you like all sabers hanging out of her belts. Yeah, and she's gonna. But see, Jaina's been there too. She's walked the line, you know. So she hasn't gone as far as Jason has. I wouldn't say, but she's... she she did the whole mind manipulation, erasing memories thing and stuff. But you know, like she she's done like what he's done to Ben. Yeah. But she didn't go beyond that. But he's taken it to another level. And, but she can recognize that there, you know, there's something going on with him, and she just doesn't want to have anything. Well, she to do says it, him. you know. She says like she goodbye. tells she tells herself she's like, I know, yeah. I know you're going to the dark side. You may be able to fool anyone else, but you're Speaking not fooling fool me. me. Yeah. And the way he actually tells her to fire in that civilian ship during the Corellian yeah. blockade, it's it's it like it's crazy. Thomas Thomas Noel. I don't remember the the reader of the book of the audio book. Yeah. He just goes fire. Mm-hmm. This is really deep voice, like fire. And he goes like, oh my god, this is coming through the force. Get out of my head. Oh. <laughs> yeah, go away. What's, hap- What's happened to you? I don't want to talk to you anymore. You're not my brother anymore. But how about that, eh? When Han and Leia, like, take off at the end, you're, 
you're not Jason, you're not my son. Yeah. Because my it. son wouldn't do something like this. That's Goodbye. Exactly. You know, like, and I, I was that's actually it. they've cut themselves off. It pretty much scared me the way that, you know, Han went to Boba and he said, My son killed your daughter. Yeah. But don't even think about going after him. <laughs> and I think that it's not him who's gonna go after him. It's gonna be Okay, the, the 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 granddaughter. Yeah. In the end. I, I, I'm very afraid that's what's going to happen. Well, Boba has too many of his own issues to take care of right now to be concerned with going after yeah, a it. Jedi, you know, a rogue Jedi. So, I never thought I'd use the term rogue Jedi <laughs> talking about Jason. <laughs> we're, we're about to, to use the dark Jedi term. Yes. Pretty soon. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, it's it. At the end of Bloodlines, there's, you know, a little teaser of mm-hmm. uh, Tempest coming up. And it, it includes Ali Marar. She's back. She's still alive. They're bringing back all these characters. She's still alive. Mm-hmm. She's back. It's really funny that it's Troy who's bringing her back. Mm-hmm. I think he's uh, he's basically made her, you know, one of her own. And I think we're going to see a lot, again, a lot of Han and Leia in the next book, Luke and Mara. As well, because they're going to be going through some tough times. I mean, a lot of things about Jason hasn't been, an- uh, about Ben hasn't been answered in this, yeah. uh, in this book. So, you know, they got to, they have to bring Jason to either leave Ben alone or come back. And I'm sure that Ben's going to be talking to, to, to Mara and Luke. Do about you, do you think that so if many things. Ben went back to, um, Hapes? And saw Tenelka and Alana that he would then remember having seen the baby. Do you think that would like trigger that suppressed memory? It could, but I think that Jason did such a good job, and that's just totally annihilated. That Ben was so young when that happened that Mm. it just you know didn't actually compute. Okay. And it's just gonna stay out of his mind. I was just wondering if that would come back, and then they'd be like, "Oh my gosh, he's been like." Playing with our kid's brain. Yeah, well, that's know, like, it. Literally. Well, th- there is there is a hint that mm-hmm. he somewhat remembers things like feelings in the yeah, force. Yeah, he he knows that there are things that he you know like he should be remembering that he yeah. just can't grasp. It's just beyond his. That's it. Reach. So so maybe the undoing of Jason will be that he will teach a few things or two to Ben, and Ben will use and adapt those methods and will actually find out that yeah. Jason's been using it. And in the end, it's Ben who's going to go mad mm. and crazy. And it's the way, I, I love the way he asks Jason to, to show him how to, you know, yeah, to, to shield himself yeah. from, from the force so and from the rest of the people. So know he's there, yeah. Yeah. But he's, he's been there before. He's done that before because of the Yuzan Vong War. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how come he can't do it anymore? Or why doesn't he have this particular ability? I, I Jason? find it. No, Ben. Oh, Ben. I find it a little bit intriguing, but I, I'm pretty sure he he's going to master it again. No, he. there's a difference there. He didn't shield himself from people. He just, like, didn't participate in the whole force thing. Yeah. He was still there. People could sense that he was there, but he was Not as a force-sensitive yeah. person. Yeah. He just, like, suppressed and, like, rejected the force. Yeah. But I'm really afraid for the little boy. 
Well, he's at such an impressionable stage right yeah, now. Yeah, that's it. Like, whatever happens in the next couple of years with him is going to form his life. And it's going to definitely make him the man he will become. And Jason had his own trouble. Mm-hmm. But he had them with Jaina, and they, they went through it through a lot of it together. But then they sort of separated. And I think that's where, when the twins actually got off on their own ways, that's when the trouble started brewing. It has never been the same between the two of them since Anakin died. Mm. Since they went and uh, did that whole uh, world ship thing. Yep. It's never been the same. Because Jason blamed Jane, uh, Jaina blamed Jason, and then Jason disappeared, and you know, like Jaina was on her own, and yeah, it's never been the same. And do you think that Jaina's going to blame that on Jason in the future, and that's one of the, that's going to be one of the triggering events of Jason going, Fubar? Well, he's already halfway there. <laughs> but yes, just, yes, but he's still he's still thinking about you know. Yeah, he's still considering Tenal. the consequences. He's still thinking about Tanelka and Alana, and he's like. But I mean, Anakin was thinking about Padme and the unborn child. And, yeah, well, children, but. But can you just imagine what will happen if the queen mother decides to marry someone and present the child to the public? Mm. There's going to be blood. Well, it would be the husband that would be slaughtered first. Yeah, well, of course. It's not going to be the... <laughs> I, I very do, I very much so doubt it's going to be Tenelka. But yeah. one way to actually bring, you know, the storm to a beginning would actually to have a marriage occur between Tenelka and someone else. And then, of course, Jason finding out about it because she goes public and she's like, oh, yeah, we, we've had this kid four years ago. And the mm. kid's not his. And then Jason intervenes, kills the guy. Tenelka just looks at him and goes, You stupid fool. I did that for your own good. Just so the rest of the universe wouldn't find out how sloppy you've been and, you know, things like that. And he just loses it right there and then. He leaves Tenelka and Alina, Alana alive. But he just goes away. And vanishes. And the only thing you can you can actually feel is his presence in the Force becoming bigger and darker. Mm-hmm. And that that would be really scary, because you know it's there. You know it's you know getting bigger and darker, but you just don't know when it's coming back. It's true. So, who's he gonna kill? Is he gonna really kill? And is he gonna kill himself? Well. Or let is go he going to kill? Self. Yeah, let go of himself. Well, I, I meant like... Yeah, I know what you mean. On the other plane of existence. Or is he, you know, going to kill someone like Ben or Mara or Luke? Because if Luke was to go, that'd be a big beast too. They aren't going to kill the big three. But I've been told yeah, over that's and it. over. The three are staying. Yeah, that's it. That's like the only thing they guaranteed. Yeah. So that's what leaves us... And, well, we know that Troy likes to see a lot of blood in his books. So we yeah. have to wait and see what Denning's going to do with uh, his novel because it's all been set up now. Yeah. He's going to have... A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Writing and, off characters. And he's bringing—he's actually bringing back Alima Rar. 
And that's making me wonder, you know, is the whole Centerpoint incident not an idea of, of Lumia in the end? Mm. Is the whole, you know, galactic civil war... Jason's just a tool. He's a pawn being yeah, manipulated. Oh, oh, all right. What? Because he's, he's so innocent. Right? He's clueless as to what's going on. He's questioning things, but he doesn't see what's happening. Yeah. The people around him in betrayal were telling him, can't you see it? You know, like, they were like, oh my god, how can you not see what's happening to you? That's but it. he's got the blinders on. He's got the influence. He's being influenced, and he's just not seeing the big picture. He's in the box. He can't get out of the box and see what's going on. Mm. And he thinks he's doing it all for the good of the galaxy and for peace and for, you know... And it's all the same reasons that Anakin had. That's it. So. And it's the way he's actually going through the same process and telling himself, Grandpa did the same thing, but I know better because I know what he did. Mm -hmm. So I just won't repeat the same mistakes. But in saying that, he's doing exactly the same thing. Your arrogance That's will it. lead you to... And you know, there was, there. and there was no, you know, mistakes. There was no particular mistakes made by Hanneken. Yeah. It was just a choice that came to a point where he made the right choice for the wrong a part, reason. a particular reason which he believed was the right reason, but it was mm. the wrong reason in the end. Yeah. You know. People always act thinking that they're doing everything for the right reasons. Yeah. But they don't, you know, like people, or at least as characters, they see the short-term effects of their choices. They don't sit to really realize the long-term consequences. They think that, you know, like this action now, this, you know, point A will get me to point B. And That'll be it. They don't look at what's happening at C, D, and E, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's it. So... Oh, well. So now we wait for Tempest. We'll have to wait. November, isn't it? The end of November? I I was actually on my way to check it. Because <laughs> I wanted to remember. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a definite you know, book to read. And in the meanwhile, uh, there's plenty of stuff that we can check out. Mm -hmm. And uh, speaking of the dark side... There's the Dart Bane book that finally finally came out. So anyone interested in Dart Bane, you can go check it out. Uh, Tempest, Tempest, Tempest. It is November 28, 2006. A long time ago. And you've seen who's on the cover, right? Tenelka. Is, is it Tenelka? Yes, I'm looking at it right now. Because I wasn't too sure, you know, with the... Uh, with the red braided hair? You weren't sure? And the missing arm. Mm -hmm. And look at the saber <laughs> hilt. Yes. It's a... Scary. The tooth thing there. Yeah. Queen Mother's going to be... Mm. You think she's going to be defending her kid? Her? Hmm? Yeah. The question is, from who? Remains to be seen, doesn't it? Yep. Oh, God. <laughs> Although I can see that if, by whatever means, uh, 
you know, the we lose we lose track of uh, of Alana, mm-hmm. and she dies. It's gonna piss off the Queen Mother, but it's gonna solve a lot of problems at the same time. Yeah. But I think I think it's gonna bring a whole lot of a whole lot of other things to the table. Well, I. I think that's pretty much it for now. I think so, too. I think we've torn the book apart. <laughs> yeah. Very good book. And it's a trade paperback, so you can carry it around just like I did almost everywhere. And I'm going to have to go get myself another copy, because this one's all messed up. Messed up? Yeah. There's What'd a, you do to it? There's a big, like, gap in the... <gasps> I don't like that. What did you do to your cover? I killed it. You killed your book. Killed oh, no. <gasps> You scratched Boba's armor. Yeah, I know I did. That's crime. Unlike his granddaughter who got him to actually take it take off. Take it off. <laughs> <laughs> Which might sound a little bit weary right now, but don't worry, there's nothing sick around beneath that. It's just like total emotional moment. Mm-hmm. He's just like, that's it. Finish it. That was real emotional, actually. Yeah. It was like, wow. I just can't do it anymore. And you're just waiting to see if she was gonna pull the trigger. And oh my god, something we didn't even talk about. Because it just like makes no sense and we just totally forget about it with exactly. all the emotional trouble that goes into that book. The death of Crack and Sal Solo. I know, we like totally blew over it. <laughs> <laughs> we did. It's just like, oh by the way, yeah, Crack and Sal Solo's gone. <laughs> well, unlike Agbar, I don't really care about him, so no, I don't care either. And I mean like Han Solo's like ecstatic. Yeah. His cousin is dead. But it's the way the way the way he dies. The way he dies. Cool. You you go you you're really going like, oh my god, no. She's what eight nine year olds. Who? The the granddaughter, or fourteen something like that. The gr- Boba's granddaughter. Yeah. Oh, she's a young woman. She's a young woman. Yeah. The daughter was fifty. Yeah. She's like twenty-ish, twenty oh, something. Okay. Yeah. She just picks up the gun and. Shoots three bolts straight yeah, in the head. Smack. You Gone. used my mother as bait? Pow, pow, pow. He's dead. You son of a bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Track and Sal Solo's dead, but the funny thing behind that is that you can see that the corporate world of Corellia was actually preparing for war mm-hmm. that same day. So I'm starting to think that the bounty on Track and, on Track and Sal had something to do with, you know, they wanted a war to, to happen. Oh, yeah. So. Corellia is always itching for a war, though. They're always, like, poking and prodding. Yeah, well, it's like, you yeah, know, like we're good. Coruscant saying, you know, like, we're better than this. We want to be separate. Hmm. So. Ah, so many problems could be solved by letting people go on their own and realizing by themselves that they just can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. We're not going to bring politics into this. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. No, we're not going to do this. But that's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, our next show is going to be on Sunday, October 15th, 2006. And that's going to be right after the uh, concept convention. And uh, hopefully we're, we're going to have some audio extract from there. From there. And um, we're going to have a very touchy subject. The Criterion Star Wars. What? What was that? The what? <laughs> well, 
basically there's this thing called the Criterion Collection that involves a lot of, you know, movies that change the world of how movie, movies were made and all that. And um, I figured, well, why isn't Star Wars part of that? I mean, even Chasing Amy of Kevin Smith is in there. There's some Zaitachi films made in there. And Man Bites Dog, of all movies, like an f- old French movie about the guy killing people. Anyways, it's just like, you know, very odd. And they have weird movies, and they have really good movies in the Criterion Collection. And I'm wondering, why isn't the, why aren't the Star Wars movie in the Criterion Collection? Well, I mean, look at the technology. Just the technology alone. Yeah. Like, added leaps and bounds to everything else that was being made at the time. That's it. So So I figured, you know, that's something that's worth getting an answer to. Mm-hmm. And we would, we will definitely welcome all of your input and thoughts about the subject. So feel free to send it to us at studio at swendirect.com. Or you can also leave a message on our blog and our message boards. Which are online, by the way. Just go to triple Just like retrieve the en if it doesn't work. I think it should. I think it works though. I think I tested it earlier and it worked. So uh, yeah, that's it. We want to hear your comments. We want to know exactly what you think about the Star Wars films and if they should be made into a Criterion Collection film. Yes, the message boards work. Mm-hmm. They do. All right, people. Let us know, because we want to know. Uh, of course, if you like this show and just like Sennheiser, would like to help us through these tough times and make sure that we're going to go on and going to be talking about Star Wars for the next few years, well, you can send us an email at info at swendirect.com. That, will, that way we can discuss uh, your position as a partner or a sponsor of some sort. And it's the beginning of the month, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to go vote for us at Podcast Alley. And uh, you just go to our main page, and you just click on the little vote for us, and then you just go click on vote now. And, of course, you have to be registered, but it's really easy steps to do that. So go vote for us. Come on, people. We want to be back. We want to be back in the top ten of Podcast Alley before the end of this month. The end of this month? The end of this year. The end of this year is more realistic, though. I am a man with lots of dreams. <laughs> All right. So, of course, if you like the show, we suggest that you talk about it around yourself because word to mouth is the best publicity that we can have by our listeners. Bring a friend to the next show and add our URL to your message board signatures. Go vote for us on Podcast Alley again because this is the beginning of the month, people. Now, and of course, you know, when you're going to have this discussion about Criterion Star Wars with your friends at school and all that, could be fun to, you know, take some notes at the same time and bring, to, bring them to the table on the 15th. Because, uh, that's what we want to, we, that's what we want to hear about. We want to know what, what's happening, you know? What's going on? <laughs> so, of course, I wanted to take a moment to thank all of our current sponsors, which are FederationToys.com, Sitclan.net, Simple-Net.ca, Sci-Fi Podcast Network, uh, the ESPN now. Not mm-hmm. ESPN, but anyway, PESN, something like that. Know. Anyways, that show. <laughs> and uh, our partners in the bloodonline.com, Star Wars Action News, Geek Core Radio, Star Wars Aficionados, PlanetFandom.com, Hail to the Fanboys and Girls, 
anakinandhisangel.com, nerf-order-anonymous.net, the largest collection of Star Wars references and actors, furryconflict.com, Trek Wars, the Furry Conflict audio drama, Millennium Falcon, Galactic Hunter, who are keeping collectors on target, T-Bone Star Wars Universe, the Galactic Senate message boards, and StarWarsFanWorks.com, the home of Star Wars Fan Audio, all available at StarWarsWithAZ.com. Of course, all the links to the folks that we just tell you about, well, they're all available to our website at SWENDirect.com. And uh, this concludes this edition of October 1st, 2006. It was a good show. It was. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It was lots of fun. And I know that the other ones will be just as good, if not better. I agree. So you know what, people? If you want to bitch and moan, and you want to complain, you can send all of your emails to studio at swendire.com. It'll be my pleasure to personally answer to, the, to each and every one of them. Or if you have something nice to say, you're equally welcome to send us a message. Absolutely. Positive feedback is always welcome, as well as the negative. Yes, more even so than the negative. <laughs> We're just mentioning that because... We grow from the negative. Yes, we grow very much from the negative. So on this note, this is Sebastian for the entire crew here. Star Wars Sound Direct. <laughs> you and me. <laughs> and the computers. And the computers. And, and the sound all card. The, all the work. And the phone and the webcam that stupidly has a <laughs> stupid microphone in it. <sighs> Tell you those Microsoft things. <laughs> oh, well. We'll master it until next time. So until next time, this is Sebastian saying, see you next time on Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom. Bye. This show has been brought to you by SimpleNet. Webmasters, online gamers, or administrators of e-business. At SimpleNet, we will always have a solution to meet your needs. You were listening to Star Wars on Direct, the voice of Star Wars fandom.